all that stuff. We're in the house. Phew. Bouillon. Bienvenidos, familia. It's Kira the Don. We're broadcasting live from Don Studios in Mexico. Get that thing off my face. Hey. How you all doing? What's cracking? Let's go back from the gym. And uh, I'm quite pleased. My wife got me some protein powder because the protein powder I normally get, we get it delivered. It doesn't arrive till next week. So she got me some interim protein powder. And this interim protein powder had Dragon Ball Z on the packaging. It's the little things. We are here, of course, to conclude our epic lo-fi live scoring of The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. We're going to get this thing downloaded and emerge more powerful than we could ever have considered, really. We could have ever imagined. What up, Shaggy? What up, Fool Killer? What up, Sergeant Tatch? What up, House Palmer? What up, Doug from Texas? As I pray that everyone has an amazing day. What up, Amcast? What up, Cedric Tatch? What up, Shaggy? Chad says, hello, you glorious wave riders. Nice and sozen. Prayers for Jason Eva, he's currently getting flooded. Last time I spoke to him, he was wading around. His house had been flooded. Uh, he was wading around in water uh, with his sisters on his shoulders and rescuing things and all that sort of stuff. Sending all of our love and blessings to Jason Eva. He's done this before. It's like a semi-regular occurrence. But uh, it is no less mental thing to be dealing with. Hill Inc. says wave riding. You could say that. Gola Mudib says, hey guys, how's everyone doing? I'm pretty good, thanks for asking. My house has not been flooded. Flooded with love. Perhaps. We did get the Christmas tree out. That's always, you know, bittersweet. It's always bittersweet when you get the Christmas tree out. But it does it does mean that you suddenly have loads of room that was formerly occupied by a Christmas tree. So you feel like your house is bigger, you know, that's that's always saying. Speaking of bigger, like last time I wore this t-shirt, it was pretty snug, but it pretty much fit. It now doesn't. Like, it's now, it's now like a superhero costume. It's ridiculously tight. So you, I might have to get a different, I might have to go a size up now. Yeah. The consequences of picking things up and putting them down again. You start fitting in your clothes. What else? I got an Electrolito. Uh, that's good. We're back in the Electrolito game. Actually, I was in the house for some reason. We normally have an abundance, and that, that fell apart recently. Well, we're back in the game. Mm -hmm. 
toast to you. says popcorn muscles what is popcorn muscles Chris Dubendorf says jacked yeah, that's, that's... hey I've been taking Hercules with me um, so we're gonna we're gonna work on his dead hang you know he's a little too little to be doing CrossFit classes so he kind of hangs around and observes and goes on the running machine plays Pokemon Go reads comics um, but he does join me for some bits of it and we're doing a little thing where we're working on his dead hang. So he can dead hang for 30 seconds. So we're going to get that up to a minute over the next week. Let you know how that goes. In case you're wondering, uh, uh, you know, a dead hang is when you, you hang onto a bar and you just hang there. That's a dead hang. It's very good for you. It's a very good thing to be able to do. And obviously kids are sort of pretty good at that sort of thing. You know, you've seen kids on monkey bars and stuff. So it's a good thing to dive in early, I reckon. Chad Comstock says, I saw last night's stream today. I've been saying the word wealth a lot. Yeah, me too. Who else went to sleep saying wealth, wealth? Wealth, wealth. Jesse Rovig says, like smash. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, redistribute the, uh, the uh, violence in the general direction of the like button. It's, it's, right, it's the right thing to do.
All right, let's, let's listen to a song. Well, like, it picks up where we left off. Continue to act thus, my dear Lucy. And then we'll get after it. Gather and save your time with the ladies enforced from you. Or filched away or merely slipped from your hands. Make yourself believe the truth of my words. There's certain moments of torn from us. Some are gently removed and others glide beyond our reach. And the others glide beyond our reach. The most disgraceful kind of loss is due to carelessness. Furthermore, if you will pay close heed to the problem, you will find the largest portion of our life passes while we are doing hell. A goodly share while we are doing nothing. And the whole while we are doing that which is not to the purpose. The whole while we are doing that which is not to the purpose. Chapter 15. 
That's that. That's uh. That's that's me in Seneca. Seneca. How about that? Why haven't I got more joints with Seneca yet? Gotta sort that out. I need more Seneca joints. That's a banger. Liz Bay C says dregs the cask. Exactly. Exactly dregs the cask. How wild we are doing that which is not to the purpose. Oh yeah. Yes, 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 that's exactly what's going on. That's what's going on, and what's going on now is we're doing our lo-fi life school, baby. We're uh, providing a beautiful accompaniment to the power of your subconscious mind. The final five chapters. The final five chapters. Uh, have you enjoyed the book so far? Liz Basie says, Maz is to the purpose. Yes, it is. Uh, Stop the victim mode, dropped a load of hearts. That's very nice. And JC the Lionheart says, Akira, I made a mistake yesterday when I told you that Scott called Anomaly is Nemesis. In fact, he called him his mascot. However, he meant in a kind way, I think. Yeah, that's very different. That's a very, very different thing. That's a very strange. Yes, that certainly was an error. JT Lionheart, it's a very big difference between considering someone your nemesis and considering them a mascot. <laughs> uh, that refers to the fact that um, the homie Anomaly is going to be on the show next week. And apparently, I'm told, uh, he has uh, altercations or beef or something with our good friend Scott Adams, which uh, I don't really know about. Because, uh, you know, I don't spend my life on Kiwi Farms. Contrary to what you all might think I do with my time. <laughs> all right, we're going to go in. Before we go in, how's about we do our international high five? I won't ask you a question. Let's just do it. You know what I mean? And uh, one of these days, I'll come up with a nice little rhyme for it, like Scott has for his thing. You know what I mean? Um, but no. Let's just let's just bind ourselves together across space and time. You know, we join our energies together and then redistribute them, thus that we we may all be connected and uh, you know powered up in a more righteous manner. It's it feels like it works. Three, two, one. Zoom! Have you got that? Have you got that? You high fiving the screen? Are you high fiving the screen? Brave meaning wave enjoyer. Brave enjoyer of the meaning wave, meaning wave. JC the Lionheart says, I will be better. I will too. How's about that? We will all be better. How's about that? We will though. We will. How could we not? You know what I mean? Poco, poco mas cada dia. You know what I mean? A little, little more every day. A little better every day. Yo. This we have got. This we have got. And, um... This is uh, the power of your subconscious mind. The final five chapters, part four. Let's get ready to rumble. 
Chapter 15 Your Subconscious Mind and Your Happiness William James, father of American psychology, said that the greatest discovery of the 19th century was not in the realm of physical science. The greatest discovery was the power of the subconscious touched by faith. In every human being is that limitless reservoir of power which can overcome any problem in the world. True and lasting happiness will come into your life the day you get the clear realization that you can overcome any weakness the day you realize that your subconscious can solve your problems, heal your body, and prosper you beyond your fondest dream. You might have felt very happy when your child was born, when you got married, when you graduated from college, or when you won a great victory or a prize. You might have been very happy when you became engaged to the loveliest girl or the most handsome man. You could go on and list innumerable experiences which have made you happy. However, no matter how marvelous these experiences are, they do not give real lasting happiness. They are transitory. The book of Proverbs gives the answer. Whosoever trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. When you trust in the Lord, the power and wisdom of your subconscious mind, to lead, guide, govern, and direct all your ways, you will become poised, serene, and relaxed. As you radiate love, peace, and goodwill to all, you are really building a superstructure of happiness for all the days of your life. You must choose happiness. Happiness is a state of mind. There is a phrase in the Bible which says, Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. You have the freedom to choose happiness. This may seem extraordinarily simple, and it is. Perhaps this is why people stumble over the way to happiness. They do not see the simplicity of the key to happiness. The great things of life are simple, dynamic, and creative. They produce well-being and happiness. St. Paul reveals to you how you can think your way into a life of dynamic power and happiness in these words. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. How to choose happiness. Begin now to choose happiness. This is how you do it. When you open your eyes in the morning, say to yourself, Divine order takes charge of my life today and every day. All things work together for good for me today. This is a new and wonderful day for me. There will never be another day like this one. I am divinely guided all day long, and whatever I do will prosper. Divine love surrounds me, enfolds me, and enwraps me, and I go forth in peace. Whenever my attention wanders away from that which is good and constructive, I will immediately bring it back to the contemplation of that which is lovely and of good report. I am a spiritual and mental magnet, attracting to myself all things which bless and prosper me. I am going to be a wonderful success in all my undertakings today. I am definitely going to be happy all day long. Start each day in this manner. Then you will be choosing happiness, and you will be a radiant, joyous person. He made it a habit to be happy. A number of years ago, I stayed for about a week in a farmer's house in Connemara, on the west coast of Ireland. He seemed to be always singing and whistling and was full of humor. I asked him the secret to his happiness, and his reply was, 
It is a habit of mine to be happy. Every morning when I awaken, and every night before I go to sleep, I bless my family, the crops, the cattle, and I thank God for the wonderful harvest. This farmer has made a practice of this for over 40 years. As you know, thoughts repeated regularly and systematically sink into the subconscious mind and become habitual. He discovered that happiness is a habit. You must desire to be happy. There is one very important point about being happy. You must sincerely desire to be happy. There are people who have been depressed, dejected, and unhappy so long that were they suddenly made happy by some wonderful, good, joyous news, they would actually be like the woman who said to me, It is wrong to be so happy. They have been so accustomed to the old mental patterns that they do not feel at home being happy. They long for the former depressed, unhappy state. I knew a woman in England who had rheumatism for many years. She would pat herself on the knee and say, My rheumatism is bad today. I cannot go out. My rheumatism keeps me miserable. This dear elderly lady got a lot of attention from her son, daughter, and the neighbors. She really wanted her rheumatism. She enjoyed her misery, as she called it. This woman did not really want to be happy. I suggested a curative procedure to her. I wrote down some biblical verses and told her that if she gave attention to these truths, her mental attitude would undoubtedly change and would result in her faith and confidence in being restored to health. She was not interested. There seems to be a peculiar, mental, morbid streak in many people, whereby they seem to enjoy being miserable and sad. Why choose unhappiness? Many people choose unhappiness by entertaining these ideas. Today is a black day, everything is going to go wrong. I'm not going to succeed. Everyone is against me. Business is bad and it is going to get worse. I'm always late. I never get the breaks. He can, but I can't. If you have this attitude in mind the first thing in the morning, you will attract all these experiences to you and you will be very unhappy. Begin to realize the world you live in is determined largely by what goes on in your mind. Marcus Aurelius, the great Roman philosopher and sage said, quote, a man's life is what his thoughts make of it, unquote. Emerson, America's foremost philosopher said, quote, a man is what he thinks all day long, unquote. The thoughts you habitually entertain in your mind have the tendency to actualize themselves in physical conditions. Make certain you do not indulge in negative thoughts, defeatist thoughts, or unkind, depressing thoughts. Recall frequently to your mind that you can experience nothing outside your own mentality. If I had a million dollars, I would be happy. I have visited many men in mental institutions who were millionaires, but they insisted they were penniless and destitute. They were incarcerated because of psychotic, paranoic, and manic-depressive tendencies. Wealth in and of itself will not make you happy. On the other hand, it is not a deterrent to happiness. Today, there are many people trying to buy happiness through the purchase of radios, television sets, automobiles, a home in the country, a private yacht, and a swimming pool. But happiness cannot be purchased or procured in that way. The kingdom of happiness is in your thought and feeling. Too many people have the idea that it takes something artificial to produce happiness. Some say, if I were elected mayor, made president of the organization, promoted to general manager of the corporation, I would be happy. The truth is that happiness is a mental and spiritual state. None of these positions mentioned will necessarily bequeath happiness.
Your strength, joy, and happiness consist in finding out the law of divine order and right action lodged in your subconscious mind and by applying these principles in all phases of your life. He found happiness to be the harvest of a quiet mind. Lecturing in San Francisco some years ago, I interviewed a man who was very unhappy and dejected over the way his business was going. He was the general manager. His heart was filled with resentment toward the vice president and the president of the organization. He claimed that they opposed him. Because of this internal strife, business was declining. He was receiving no dividends or stock bonuses. This is how he solved his business problem. The first thing in the morning, he affirmed quietly as follows. All those working in our corporation are honest, sincere, cooperative, faithful, and full of goodwill to all. They are mental and spiritual links in the chain of this corporation's growth, welfare, and prosperity. I radiate love, peace, and goodwill in my thoughts, words, and deeds to my two associates and to all those in the company. The president and the vice president of our company are divinely guided in all their undertakings. The infinite intelligence of my subconscious mind makes all decisions through me. There is only right action in all our business transactions and in our relationship with each other. I send the messengers of peace, love, and goodwill before me to the office. Peace and harmony reign supreme in the minds and hearts of all those in the company, including myself. I now go forth into a new day, full of faith, confidence, and trust. This business executive repeated the above meditation slowly three times in the morning, feeling the truth of what he affirmed. When fearful or angry thoughts came into his mind during the day, he would say to himself, Peace, harmony, and poise govern my mind at all times. As he continued disciplining his mind in this manner, all the harmful thoughts ceased to come, and peace came into his mind. He reaped the harvest. Subsequently, he wrote me to the effect that at the end of about two weeks of reordering his mind, the president and the vice president called him into the office, praised his operations and his new constructive ideas, and remarked how fortunate they were in having him as general manager. He was very happy in discovering that man finds happiness within himself. The block or stump is not really there. I read a newspaper article some years ago which told about a horse who had shied when he came to a stump on the road. Subsequently, every time the horse came to that stump, he shied. The fanner dug the stump out, burned it, and leveled the old road. Yet, for 25 years, every time the horse passed the place where the former stump was, shied. The horse was shying at the memory of a stump. There is no block to your happiness save in your own thought life and mental imagery. Are fear or worry holding you back? Fear is a thought in your mind. You can dig it up this very moment by supplanting it with faith in success, achievement and victory over all problems. I knew a man who failed in business. He said to me, I made mistakes, I've learned a lot. I'm going back into business, and I will be a tremendous success. He faced up to that stump in his mind. He did not whine or complain, but he tore up the stump of failure, and through believing in his inner powers to back him up, he banished all fear thoughts and old depressions. Believe in yourself, and you will succeed and be happy. The Happiest People The happiest man is he who constantly brings forth and practices what is best in him. Happiness and virtue complement each other. The best are not only the happiest, but the happiest 
are usually the best in the art of living life successfully. God is the highest and best in you. Express more of God's love, light, truth, and beauty, and you will become one of the happiest persons in the world today. Epictetus, the Greek Stoic philosopher, said, quote, There is but one way to tranquility of mind and happiness. Let this, therefore, be always ready at hand with thee, both when thou wakest early in the morning and all the day long, and when thou goest late to sleep, to account no external things thine own, but commit all these to God." Unquote. Summary of Steps to Happiness 1. William James said that the greatest discovery of the 19th century was the power of the subconscious mind touched by faith. 2. There is tremendous power within you. Happiness will come to you when you acquire a sublime confidence in this power. Then you will make your dreams come true. 3. You can rise victorious over any defeat and realize the cherished desires of your heart through the marvelous power of your subconscious mind. This is the meaning of whosoever trusteth in the Lord, spiritual laws of the subconscious mind, happy is he. 4. You must choose happiness. Happiness is a habit. It is a good habit to ponder often on whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. 5. When you open your eyes in the morning, say to yourself, I choose happiness today. I choose success today. I choose right action today. I choose love and goodwill for all today. I choose peace today. Pour life, love, and interest into this affirmation, and you have chosen happiness. 6. Give thanks for all your blessings several times a day. Furthermore, pray for the peace, happiness, and prosperity of all members of your family, your associates, and all people everywhere. 7. You must sincerely desire to be happy. Nothing is accomplished without desire. Desire is a wish with wings of imagination and faith. Imagine the fulfillment of your desire and feel its reality, and it will come to pass. Happiness comes in answered prayer. 8. By constantly dwelling on thoughts of fear, worry, anger, hate, and failure, you will become very depressed and unhappy. Remember, your life is what your thoughts make of it. 9. You cannot buy happiness with all the money in the world. Some millionaires are very happy, some are very unhappy. Many people with very little worldly goods are very happy, and some are very unhappy. Some married people are happy, and some very unhappy. Some single people are happy, and some are very unhappy. The kingdom of happiness is in your thought and feeling. 10. Happiness is the harvest of a quiet mind. Anchor your thoughts on peace, poise, security, and divine guidance, and your mind will be productive of happiness. 11. There is no block to your happiness. External things are not causative. These are effects, not cause. Take your cue from the only creative principle within you. Your thought is cause, and a new cause produces a new effect. Choose happiness. 12. The happiest man is he who brings forth the highest and best in him. God is the highest and best in him, for the kingdom of God is within. Chapter 16. 
your subconscious mind and harmonious human relations. In studying this book, you'll learn that your subconscious mind is a recording machine which faithfully reproduces whatever you impress upon it. This is one of the reasons for the application of the golden rule in human relations. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 says, All things whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you, do ye even so to them. This quotation has outer and inner meanings. You are interested in its inner meaning from the standpoint of your subconscious mind, which is, as you would that men should think about you, think you about them in like manner. As you would that men should feel about you, feel you also about them in like manner. As you would want men to act toward you, act you toward them in like manner. For example, you may be polite and courteous to someone in your office, but when his back is turned, you are very critical and resentful toward him in your mind. Such negative thoughts are highly destructive to you. It is like taking poison. You are actually taking mental poisons which rob you of vitality, enthusiasm, strength, guidance, and goodwill. These negative thoughts and emotions sink down into your subconscious and cause all kinds of difficulties and maladies in your life. The Master Key to Happy Relationships with Others Judge not, that ye not be judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2 a study of these verses and the application of the inner truths therein contained represent the real key to harmonious relations. To judge is to think, to arrive at a mental verdict or conclusion in your mind. The thought you have about the other person is your thought because you are thinking it. Your thoughts are creative. Therefore, you actually create in your own experience what you think and feel about the other person. It is also true that the suggestion you give to another you give to yourself because your mind is the creative medium. This is why it is said, For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. When you know this law and the way your subconscious mind works, you are careful to think, feel, and act right toward the other. These verses teach you about the emancipation of man and reveal to you the solution to your individual problems. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. The good you do for others comes back to you in like measure, and the evil you do returns to you by the law of your own mind. If a man cheats and deceives another, he is actually cheating and deceiving himself. His sense of guilt and mood of loss inevitably will attract loss to him in some way, at some time. His subconscious records his mental act and reacts according to the mental intention or motivation. Your subconscious mind is impersonal and unchanging neither considering persons nor respecting religious affiliations or institutions of any kind. It is neither compassionate nor vindictive. The way you think, feel, and act toward others returns at last upon yourself. The daily headlines made him sick. Begin now to observe yourself. Observe your reactions to people, conditions, and circumstances. How do you respond to the events and news of the day? It makes no difference if all the other people were wrong and you alone were right. If the news disturbs you, it is your evil because your negative emotions robbed you of peace and harmony. A woman wrote me about her husband, saying that he goes into a rage when he reads what certain newspaper columnists write in the newspaper. 
She added that this constant reaction of anger and suppressed rage on his part brought on bleeding ulcers, and his physician recommended an emotional reconditioning. I invited this man to see me, and I explained to him the way his mind functions, indicating how emotionally immature it was to get angry when others write articles, with which he disapproves or disagrees. He began to realize that he should give the newspaper man freedom to express himself, even though the latter disagreed with him politically, religiously, or in any other way. In the same manner, the newspaper man would give him the freedom to write a letter to the newspaper disagreeing with his published statements. He learned that he could disagree without being disagreeable. He awakened to the simple truth that it is never what a person says or does that affects him. It is his reaction to what is said or done that matters. This explanation was the cure for this man, and he realized that with a little practice, he could master his morning tantrums. His wife told me subsequently that he laughed at himself and also at what the columnists say. They no longer have power to disturb, annoy, and irritate him. His ulcers have disappeared due to his emotional poise and serenity. I hate women, but I like men. A private secretary was very bitter towards some of the girls in her office because they were gossiping about her and, as she said, spreading vicious lies about her. She admitted that she did not like women. She said, I hate women, but I like men. I discovered also that she spoke to the girls who were under her in the office in a very haughty, imperious, and irritable tone of voice. She pointed out that they took a delight in making things difficult for her. There was a certain pomposity in her way of speaking, and I could see where her tone of voice would affect some people unpleasantly. If all the people in the office or factory annoy you, isn't it a possibility that the vibration, annoyance, and turmoil may be due to some subconscious pattern or mental projection from you? We know that a dog will react ferociously if you hate or fear dogs. Animals pick up your subconscious vibrations and react accordingly. Many undisciplined human beings are just as sensitive as dogs, cats, and other animals. I suggested a process of prayer to this private secretary who hated women, explaining to her that when she began to identify herself with spiritual values and commenced to affirm the truths of life, her voice, mannerisms, and hatred of women would completely disappear. She was surprised to know that the emotion of hatred shows up in a person's speech, actions, in his writings, and in all phases of his life. She ceased reacting in a typical, resentful, and angry way. She established a pattern of prayer, which she practiced regularly, systematically, and conscientiously in the office. The prayer was as follows. I think, speak, and act lovingly, quietly, and peacefully. I now radiate love, peace, tolerance, and kindliness to all the girls who criticized me and gossiped about me. I anchor my thoughts on peace, harmony, and goodwill to all. Whenever I am about to react negatively, I say firmly to myself, I'm going to think, speak, and act from the standpoint of the principle of harmony, health, and peace within myself. Creative intelligence leads, rules, and guides me in all my ways. The practice of this prayer transformed her life, and she found that all criticism and annoyance ceased. The girls became co-workers and friends along life's journey she discovered that there is no one to change but myself. His inner speech held back his promotion. 
One day, a salesman came to see me and described his difficulties in working with the sales manager of his organization. He had been with the company 10 years and had received no promotion or recognition of any kind. He showed me his sales figures, which were greater proportionately than the other men in the territory. He said that the sales manager did not like him, that he was unjustly treated, and that at conferences, the manager was rude to him and at times ridiculed his suggestions. I explained that undoubtedly the cause was to a great degree within himself, and that his concept and belief about his superior bore witness to the reaction of this man. The measure we meet shall be measured to us again. His mental measure or concept of the sales manager was that he was mean and cantankerous. He was filled with bitterness and hostility toward the executive. On his way to work, he conducted a vigorous conversation with himself filled with criticism, mental arguments, recriminations, and denunciations of his sales manager. What he gave out mentally, he was inevitably bound to get back. This salesman realized that his inner speech was highly destructive because the intensity and force of his silent thoughts and emotions and personally conducted mental condemnation and vilification of the sales manager entered into his own subconscious mind. This brought about the negative response from his boss, as well as creating many other personal, physical, and emotional disorders. He began to pray frequently as follows. I am the only thinker in my universe. I am responsible for what I think about my boss. My sales manager is not responsible for the way I think about him. I refuse to give power to any person, place or thing to annoy me or disturb me. I wish health, success, peace of mind and happiness for my boss. I sincerely wish him well and I know he is divinely guided in all his ways. He repeated this prayer out loud slowly, quietly and feelingly, knowing that his mind is like a garden and that whatever he plants in the garden will come forth like seeds after their kind. I also taught him to practice mental imagery prior to sleep in this way. He imagined that his sales manager was congratulating him on his fine work, on his zeal and enthusiasm, and on his wonderful response from customers. He felt the reality of all this, felt his handshake, heard the tone of his voice, and saw him smile. He made a real mental movie, dramatizing it to the best of his ability. Night after night, he conducted his mental movie knowing that his subconscious mind was the receptive plate on which his conscious imagery would be impressed. Gradually, by a process of what may be termed mental and spiritual osmosis, the impression was made on his subconscious mind, and the expression automatically came forth. The sales manager subsequently called him up to San Francisco, congratulated him, and gave him a new assignment as division sales manager over 100 men with a big increase in salary. He changed his concept and estimate of his boss, and the latter responded accordingly. Becoming emotionally mature. What the other person says or does cannot really annoy or irritate you, except you permit him to disturb you. The only way he can annoy you is through your own thought. For example, if you get angry, you have to go through four stages in your mind. You begin to think about what he said. You decide to get angry and generate an emotion of rage. Then you decide to act. Perhaps you talk back and react in kind. You see that the thought, emotion, reaction and action all take place in your mind. When you become emotionally mature, you do not respond negatively to the criticism and resentment of others. 
To do so would mean that you have descended to that state of low mental vibration and become one with the negative atmosphere of the other. Identify yourself with your aim in life and do not permit any person, place or thing to deflect you from your inner sense of peace, tranquility and radiant health. The Meaning of Love in Harmonious Human Relations Sigmund Freud, the Austrian founder of psychoanalysis, said that unless the personality has love, it sickens and dies. Love includes understanding, goodwill and respect for the divinity in the other person. The more love and goodwill you emanate and exude, the more comes back to you. If you puncture the other fellow's ego and wound his estimate of himself, you cannot gain his goodwill. Recognize that every man wants to be loved and appreciated and made to feel important in the world. Realize that the other man is conscious of his true worth and that, like yourself, he feels the dignity of being an expression of the one life principle animating all men. As you do this, consciously and knowingly, you build the other person up and he returns your love and goodwill. He hated audiences. An actor told me that the audience booed and hissed him on his first appearance on the stage. He added that the play was badly written and that undoubtedly he did not play a good role. He admitted openly to me that for months afterward he hated audiences. He called them dopes, dummies, stupid, ignorant, gullible, etc. He quit the stage in disgust and went to work in a drugstore for a year. One day, a friend invited him to hear a lecture in Town Hall, New York City, on how to get along with ourselves. This lecture changed his life. He went back to the stage and began to pray sincerely for the audience and himself. He poured out love and goodwill every night before appearing on the stage. He made it a habit to claim that the peace of God filled the hearts of all present, and that all present were lifted up and inspired. During each performance, he sent out love vibrations to the audience. Today, he is a great actor, and he loves and respects people. His goodwill and esteem are transmitted to others and are felt by them. Handling Difficult People There are difficult people in the world who are twisted and distorted mentally. They are malconditioned. Many are mental delinquents, argumentative, uncooperative, cantankerous, cynical, and sour on life. They are sick psychologically. Many people have deformed and distorted minds, probably warped during childhood. Many have congenital deformities. You would not condemn a person who had tuberculosis, nor should you condemn a person who is mentally ill. No one, for example, hates or resents a hunchback. There are many mental hunchbacks. You should have compassion and understanding. To understand all is to forgive all. Misery loves company. The hateful, frustrated, distorted, and twisted personality is out of tune with the infinite. He resents those who are peaceful, happy, and joyous. Usually, he criticizes, condemns, and vilifies those who have been very good and kind to him. His attitude is this. Why should they be so happy when he is so miserable? He wants to drag them down to his own level. Misery loves company. When you understand this, you remain unmoved, calm, and dispassionate. The Practice of Empathy in Human Relations A girl visited me recently stating that she hated another girl in her office. She gave as her reason that the other girl was prettier, happier, and wealthier than she, and in addition, was engaged to the boss of the company where they worked. One day, after the marriage had taken place, the crippled daughter, by a former marriage, of the woman whom she hated came into the office. 
The child put her arms around her mother and said, Mommy, Mommy, I love my new daddy. Look what he gave me. She showed her mother a wonderful new toy. She said to me, My heart went out to that little girl, and I knew how happy she must feel. I got a vision of how happy this woman was. All of a sudden, I felt love for her, and I went into the office and wished her all the happiness in the world, and I meant it. In psychological circles today, this is called empathy, which simply means the imaginative projection of your mental attitude into that of another. She projected her mental mood or the feeling of her heart into that of the other woman and began to think and look out through the other woman's brain. She was actually thinking and feeling as the other woman and also as the child because she likewise had projected herself into the mind of the child. She was looking out from that vantage point on the child's mother. If tempted to injure or think ill of another, project yourself mentally into the mind of Moses and think from the standpoint of the Ten Commandments. If you are prone to be envious, jealous, or angry, project yourself into the mind of Jesus and think from that standpoint, and you will feel the truth of the words, Love ye one another. Appeasement never wins. Do not permit people to take advantage of you and gain their point by temper tantrums, crying jags, or so-called heart attacks. These people are dictators who try to enslave you and make you do their bidding. Be firm but kind and refuse to yield. Appeasement never wins. Refuse to contribute to their delinquency, selfishness, and possessiveness. Remember, do that which is right. You are here to fulfill your ideal and remain true to the eternal verities and spiritual values of life which are eternal. Give no one in all the world the power to deflect you from your goal, your aim in life, which is to express your hidden talents to the world, to serve humanity, and to reveal more and more of God's wisdom, truth, and beauty to all people in the world. Remain true to your ideal. Know definitely and absolutely that whatever contributes to your peace, happiness, and fulfillment must of necessity bless all men who walk the earth. The harmony of the part is the harmony of the whole, for the whole is in the part, and the part is in the whole. All you owe the other, as Paul says, is love, and love is the fulfilling of the law of health, happiness, and peace of mind. Profitable Pointers in Human Relations 1. Your subconscious mind is a recording machine which reproduces your habitual thinking. Think good of the other, and you are actually thinking good about yourself. 2. A hateful or resentful thought is a mental poison. Do not think ill of another, for to do so is to think ill of yourself. You are the only thinker in your universe, and your thoughts are creative. 3. Your mind is a creative medium. Therefore, what you think and feel about the other, you are bringing to pass in your own experience. This is the psychological meaning of the golden rule. As you would that man should think about you, think you about them in the same manner. 4. To cheat, rob, or defraud another brings lack, loss, and limitation to yourself. Your subconscious mind records your inner motivations, thoughts, and feelings. These being of a negative nature, loss, limitation, and trouble come to you in countless ways. Actually, what you do to the other, you are doing to yourself. 5. The good you do, the kindness proffered, the love and good will you send forth, will all come back to you multiplied in many ways. 6. You are the only thinker in the world. You are responsible for the way you think about the other. 
Remember, the other person is not responsible for the way you think about him. Your thoughts are reproduced. What are you thinking about now about the other fellow? 7. Become emotionally mature and permit other people to differ from you. They have a perfect right to disagree with you, and you have the same freedom to disagree with them. You can disagree without being disagreeable. 8. Animals pick up your fear vibrations and snap at you. If you love animals, they will never attack you. Many undisciplined human beings are just as sensitive as dogs, cats, and other animals. 9. Your inner speech, representing your silent thoughts and feelings, is experienced in the reactions of others toward you. 10. Wish for the other what you wish for yourself. This is the key to harmonious human relations. 11. Change your concept and estimate of your employer. Feel and know he is practicing the golden rule and the law of love, and he will respond accordingly. 12. The other person cannot annoy you or irritate you except you permit him. Your thought is creative. You can bless him. If someone calls you a skunk, you have the freedom to say to the other, God's peace fills your soul. 13. Love is the answer to getting along with others. Love is understanding, goodwill, and respecting the divinity of the other. 14. You would not hate a hunchback or cripple. You would have compassion. Have compassion and understanding for mental hunchbacks who have been conditioned negatively. To understand all is to forgive all. 15. Rejoice in the success, promotion, and good fortune of the other. In doing so, you attract good fortune to yourself. 16. Never yield to emotional scenes and tantrums of others. Appeasement never wins. Do not be a doormat. Adhere to that which is right. Stick to your ideal, knowing that the mental outlook which gives you peace, happiness, and joy is right, good, and true. What blesses you, blesses all. 17. All you owe any person in the world is love. And love is wishing for everyone what you wish for yourself. Health, happiness, and all the blessings of life. Chapter 17. How to use your subconscious for forgiveness. Life plays no favorites. God is life, and this life principle is flowing through you this moment. God loves to express himself as harmony, peace, beauty, joy, and abundance through you. This is called the will of God or the tendency of life. If you set up resistance in your mind to the flow of life through you, this emotional congestion will get snarled up in your subconscious mind and cause all kinds of negative conditions. God has nothing to do with unhappy or chaotic conditions in the world. All these conditions are brought about by man's negative and destructive thinking. Therefore, it is silly to blame God for your trouble or sickness. Many persons habitually set up mental resistance to the flow of life by accusing and reproaching God for the sin, sickness, and suffering of mankind. Others cast the blame on God for their pains, aches, loss of loved ones, personal tragedies, and accidents. They are angry at God, and they believe He is responsible for their misery. As long as people entertain such negative concepts about God, they will experience the automatic negative reactions from their subconscious minds. Actually, such people do not know that they are punishing themselves. They must see the truth, find release, and give up all condemnation, 
resentment, and anger against anyone or any power outside themselves. Otherwise, they cannot go forward into a healthy, happy, or creative activity. The minute these people entertain a God of love in their minds and hearts, and when they believe that God is their loving Father who watches over them, cares for them, guides them, sustains and strengthens them, this concept and belief about God, or the life principle, will be accepted by their subconscious mind, and they will find themselves blessed in countless ways. Life always forgives you. Life forgives you when you cut your finger. The subconscious intelligence within you sets about immediately to repair it. New cells build bridges over the cut. Should you take some tainted food by error, life forgives you and causes you to regurgitate it in order to preserve you. If you burn your hand, the life principle reduces the edema and congestion and gives you new skin, tissue and cells. Life holds no grudges against you and it is always forgiving you. Life brings you back to health, vitality, harmony and peace if you cooperate by thinking in harmony with nature. Negative, hurtful memories, bitterness and ill will clutter up and impede the free flow of the life principle in you. How he banished that feeling of guilt. I knew a man who worked every night until about one o'clock in the morning. He paid no attention to his two boys or his wife. He was always too busy working hard. He thought people should pat him on the back because he was working so arduously and persistently past midnight every night. He had a blood pressure over 200 and was full of guilt. Unconsciously, he proceeded to punish himself by hard work and he completely ignored his children. A normal man does not do that. He is interested in his boys and in their development. He does not shut his wife out of his world. I explained to him why he was working so arduously. There is something eating you inside. Otherwise, you would not act this way. You are punishing yourself and you have to learn to forgive yourself. He did have a deep sense of guilt. It was toward a brother. I explained to him that God was not punishing him, that he was punishing himself. For example, if you misuse the laws of life, you will suffer accordingly. If you put your hand on a naked charged wire, you will get burned. The forces of nature are not evil. It is your use of them that determines whether they have good or evil effect. Electricity is not evil. It depends on how you use it, whether to burn down a structure or light up a home. The only sin is ignorance of the law, and the only punishment is the automatic reaction of man's misuse of the law. If you misuse the law of chemistry, you may blow up the office or the factory. If you strike your hand on a board, you may cause your hand to bleed. The board is not for that purpose. Its purpose may be to lean upon or to support your feet. This man realized that God does not condemn or punish anyone, and that all his suffering was due to the reaction of his subconscious mind to his own negative and destructive thinking. He had cheated his brother at one time, and the brother had now passed on. Still, he was full of remorse and guilt. I asked him, would you cheat your brother now? He said no. Did you feel you were justified at the time? His reply was yes, but you would not do it now. He added, no, I'm helping others to know how to live. I added the following comment. You have a greater reason and understanding now. Forgiveness is to forgive yourself. Forgiveness is getting your thoughts in line with the divine law of harmony. Self-condemnation is called hell, bondage and restriction. Forgiveness is called heaven, harmony and peace. The burden of guilt and self-condemnation was lifted from his mind and he had a complete healing. 
The doctor tested his blood pressure, and it had become normal. The explanation was the cure. A murderer learned to forgive himself. A man who murdered his brother in Europe visited me many years ago. He was suffering from great mental anguish and torture, believing that God must punish him. He explained that his brother had been having an affair with his wife, and that he had shot him on the spur of the moment. This had happened about 15 years previous to his interview with me. In the meantime, this man had married an American girl and had been blessed with three lovely children. He was in a position where he helped many people, and he was a transformed man. My explanation to him was that physically and psychologically he was not the same man who shot his brother, since scientists inform us that every cell of our bodies changes every 11 months. Moreover, mentally and spiritually he was a new man. He was now full of love and goodwill for humanity. The old man, who committed the crime 15 years before, was mentally and spiritually dead. Actually, he was condemning an innocent man. This explanation had a profound effect on him, and he said it was as if a great weight had been lifted from his mind. He realized the significance of the following truth in the Bible. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Criticism cannot hurt you without your consent. A school teacher told me that one of her associates criticized a speech she had given, saying to her that she spoke too fast. She swallowed some of her words. She couldn't be heard. Her diction was poor and her speech ineffective. This teacher was furious and full of resentment toward her critic. She admitted to me that the criticisms were just. Her first reaction was really childish, and she agreed that the letter was really a blessing and a marvelous corrective. She proceeded immediately to supplement her deficiencies in her speech by enrolling in a course in public speaking at City College. She wrote and thanked the writer of the note for her interest, expressing appreciation for her conclusions and findings, which enabled the teacher to correct the matter at once. How to be compassionate. Suppose none of the things mentioned in the letter had been true of the teacher. The latter would have realized that her class material had upset the prejudices, superstitions, or narrow sectarian beliefs of the writer of the note, and that a psychologically ill person was simply pouring forth her resentment because a psychological boil had been hurt. To understand this fact is to be compassionate. The next logical step would be to pray for the other person's peace, harmony, and understanding. You cannot be hurt when you know that you are master of your thoughts, reactions, and emotions. Emotions follow thoughts, and you have the power to reject all thoughts which may disturb or upset you. Left at the altar. Some years ago, I visited a church to perform a marriage ceremony. The young man did not appear, and at the end of two hours, the bride-to-be shed a few tears and then said to me, I prayed for divine guidance. This might be the answer, for he never faileth. That was her reaction. Faith in God and all things good. She had no bitterness in her heart because, as she said, it must not have been right action because my prayer was for right action for both of us. Someone else having a similar experience would have gone into a tantrum, have had an emotional fit, required sedation, and perhaps needed hospitalization. Tune in with the infinite intelligence within your subconscious depths, trusting the answer in the same way that you trusted your mother when she held you in her arms. This is how you can acquire poise and mental and emotional health.
It is wrong to marry. Sex is evil, and I am evil. Some time ago, I talked to a young lady age 22. She was taught that it was a sin to dance, to play cards, to swim, and to go out with men. She was threatened by her mother, who told her she would burn eternally in hellfire if she disobeyed her will and her religious teachings. This girl wore a black dress and black stockings. She wore no rouge, lipstick, or any form of makeup because her mother said that these things were sinful. Her mother told her that all men were evil and that sex was of the devil and simply diabolic debauchery. This girl had to learn how to forgive herself as she was full of guilt. To forgive means to give for. She had to give up all these false beliefs for the truths of life and a new estimate of herself. When she went out with young men in the office where she worked, she had a deep sense of guilt and thought that God would punish her. Several eligible young men proposed to her, but she said, it is wrong to marry, sex is evil, and I am evil. This was her conscience, or early conditioning speaking. She came to me once weekly for about 10 weeks, and I taught her the workings of the conscious and subconscious mind as set forth in this book. This young girl gradually came to see that she had been completely brainwashed, mesmerized, and conditioned by an ignorant, superstitious, bigoted, and frustrated mother. She broke away completely from her family and started to live a wonderful life. At my suggestion, she dressed up and had her hair attended to. She took lessons in dancing from a man, and she also took driving lessons. She learned to swim, play cards, and had a number of dates. She began to love life. She prayed for a divine companion by claiming that infinite spirit would attract her a man who harmonized with her thoroughly. Eventually, this came to pass. As she left my office one evening, there was a man waiting to see me, and I casually introduced them. They are now married and harmonize with each other perfectly. Forgiveness is necessary for healing. And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Forgiveness of others is essential to mental peace and radiant health. You must forgive everyone who has ever hurt you if you want perfect health and happiness. Forgive yourself by getting your thoughts in harmony with divine law and order. You cannot really forgive yourself completely until you have forgiven others first. To refuse to forgive yourself is nothing more or less than spiritual pride or ignorance. In the psychosomatic field of medicine today, it is being constantly stressed that resentment, condemnation of others, remorse and hostility are behind a host of maladies ranging from arthritis to cardiac disease. They point out that these sick people who were hurt, mistreated, deceived, or injured were full of resentment and hatred for those who hurt them. This caused inflamed and festering wounds in their subconscious minds. There is only one remedy. They have to cut out and discard their hurts, and the one and only sure way is by forgiveness. Forgiveness is love in action. The essential ingredient in the art of forgiveness is the willingness to forgive. If you sincerely desire to forgive the other, you are 51% over the hurdle. I feel sure you know that to forgive the other does not necessarily mean that you like him or want to associate with him. You cannot be compelled to like someone, neither can a government legislate goodwill, love, peace, or tolerance. It is quite impossible to like people because someone in Washington issues an edict to that effect. We can, however, love people without liking them. The Bible says, love ye one another. 
This anyone can do who really wants to do it. Love means that you wish for the other health, happiness, peace, joy, and all the blessings of life. There is only one prerequisite, and that is sincerity. You're not being magnanimous when you forgive. You are really being selfish, because what you wish for the other, you are actually wishing for yourself. The reason is that you are thinking it and you are feeling it. As you think and feel, so are you. Could anything be simpler than that? Technique of Forgiveness The following is a simple method which works wonders in your life as you practice it. Quiet your mind, relax, and let go. Think of God and His love for you, and then affirm, I fully and freely forgive. Mention the name of the offender. I release him mentally and spiritually. I completely forgive everything connected with the matter in question. I am free, and he, she is free. It is a marvelous feeling. It is my day of general amnesty. I release anybody and everybody who has ever hurt me. And I wish for each and everyone health, happiness, peace, and all the blessings of life. I do this freely, joyously, and lovingly. And whenever I think of the person or persons who hurt me, I say, I have released you, and all the blessings of life are yours. I am free, and you are free. It is wonderful. The great secret of true forgiveness is that once you have forgiven the person, it is unnecessary to repeat the prayer. Whenever the person comes to your mind, or the particular hurt happens to enter your mind, wish the delinquent well, and say, Peace be to you. Do this as often as the thought enters your mind. You will find that after a few days, the thought of the person or experience will return less and less often until it fades into nothingness. The Acid Test for Forgiveness There is an acid test for gold. There is also an acid test for forgiveness. If I should tell you something wonderful about someone who has wronged you, cheated you, or defrauded you, and you sizzled at hearing the good news about this person, the roots of hatred would still be in your subconscious mind, playing havoc with you. Let us suppose you had a painful abscess on your jaw a year ago, and you told me about it. I would casually ask you if you had any pain now. You would automatically say, of course not, I have a memory of it, but no pain. That is the whole story. You may have a memory of the incident, but no sting or hurt anymore. This is the acid test, and you must meet it psychologically and spiritually. Otherwise, you are simply deceiving yourself and not practicing the true art of forgiveness. To understand all is to forgive all. When man understands the creative law of his own mind, he ceases to blame other people and conditions for making or marring his life. He knows that his own thoughts and feelings create his destiny. Furthermore, he is aware that externals are not the causes and conditioners of his life and his experiences. To think that others can mar your happiness, that you are the football of a cruel fate, that you must oppose and fight others for a living, all these and others like them are untenable when you understand that thoughts are things. The Bible says the same thing. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. Summary of your aids to forgiveness. 1. God or life is no respecter of persons. Life plays no favorites. Life or God seems to favor you when you align yourself with the principle of harmony, health, joy, and peace. 2. God or life never sends disease, sickness, accident, or suffering. 
We bring these things on ourselves by our own negative, destructive thinking based upon the law, as we sow, so shall we reap. 3. Your concept of God is the most important thing in your life. If you really believe in a God of love, your subconscious mind will respond in countless blessings to you. Believe in a God of love. 4. Life or God holds no grudge against you. Life never condemns you. Life heals a severe cut on your hand. Life forgives you if you burn your finger. It reduces the edema and restores the part to wholeness and perfection. 5. Your guilt complex is a false concept of God and life. God, or life, does not punish or judge you. You do this to yourself by your false beliefs, negative thinking, and self-condemnation. 6. God, or life, does not condemn or punish you. The forces of nature are not evil. The effect of their use depends on how you use the power within you. You can use electricity to kill someone or to light the house. You can use water to drown a child or quench his thirst. Good and evil come right back to the thought and purpose in man's own mind. 7. God, or life, never punishes. Man punishes himself by his false concepts of God, life, and the universe. His thoughts are creative, and he creates his own misery. 8. If another criticizes you, and these faults are within you, rejoice, give thanks, and appreciate the comments. This gives you the opportunity to correct the particular fault. 9. You cannot be hurt by criticism when you know that you are master of your thoughts, reactions, and emotions. This gives you the opportunity to pray and bless the other, thereby blessing yourself. 10. When you pray for guidance and right action, take what comes. Realize it is good and very good. Then there is no cause for self-pity, criticism, or hatred. 11. There is nothing good or bad, but thinking makes it so. There is no evil in sex, the desire for food, wealth, or true expression. It depends on how you use these urges, desires, or aspirations. Your desire for food can be met without killing someone for a loaf of bread. 12. Resentment, hatred, ill will, and hostility are behind a host of maladies. Forgive yourself and everybody else by pouring out love, life, joy, and goodwill to all those who have hurt you. Continue until such time as you meet them in your mind and you are at peace with them. 13. To forgive is to give something for. Give love, peace, joy, wisdom, and all the blessings of life to the other until there is no sting left in your mind. This is really the acid test of forgiveness. 14. Let us suppose you had an abscess in your jaw about a year ago. It was very painful. Ask yourself if it is painful now. The answer is in the negative. Likewise, if someone has hurt you, lied about and vilified you, and said all manner of evil about you, is your thought of that person negative? Do you sizzle when he or she comes into your mind? If so, the roots of hatred are still there, playing havoc with you and your good. The only way is to wither them with love by wishing for the person all the blessings of life until you can meet the person in your mind and you can sincerely react with a benediction of peace and goodwill. This is the meaning of forgive until 70 times 7. Chapter 18. How your subconscious removes mental blocks. The solution lies within the problem. The answer is in every question. If you are presented with a difficult situation and you cannot see your way clear, 
The best procedure is to assume that infinite intelligence within your subconscious mind knows all and sees all, has the answer, and is revealing it to you now. Your new mental attitude that the creative intelligence is bringing about a happy solution will enable you to find the answer. Rest assured that such an attitude of mind will bring order, peace and meaning to all your undertakings. How to break or build a habit. You are a creature of habit. Habit is the function of your subconscious mind. You'll learn to swim, ride a bicycle, dance and drive a car by consciously doing these things over and over again until they establish tracks in your subconscious mind. Then, the automatic habit action of your subconscious mind took over. This is sometimes called second nature, which is a reaction of your subconscious mind to your thinking and acting. You are free to choose a good habit or a bad habit. If you repeat a negative thought or act over a period of time, you will be under the compulsion of a habit. The law of your subconscious is compulsion. How he broke a bad habit. Mr. Jones said to me, an uncontrollable urge to drink seizes me, and I remain drunk for two weeks at a time. I can't give up this terrible habit. Time and time again, these experiences had occurred to this unfortunate man. He had grown into the habit of drinking to excess. Although he had started drinking of his own initiative, he also began to realize that he could change the habit and establish a new one. He said that while through his willpower he was able to suppress his desires temporarily, his continued efforts to suppress the many urges only made matters worse. His repeated failures convinced him that he was hopeless and powerless to control his urge or obsession. This idea of being powerless operated as a powerful suggestion to his subconscious mind and aggravated his weakness, making his life a succession of failures. I taught him to harmonize the functions of the conscious and subconscious mind. When these two cooperate, the idea or desire implanted in the subconscious mind is realized. His reasoning mind agreed that if the old habit path or track had carried him into trouble, he could consciously form a new path to freedom, sobriety, and peace of mind. He knew that his destructive habit was automatic, but since it was acquired through his conscious choice, he realized that if he had been conditioned negatively, he could also be conditioned positively. As a result, he ceased thinking of the fact that he was powerless to overcome the habit. Moreover, he understood clearly that there was no obstacle to his healing other than his own thought. Therefore, there was no occasion for great mental effort or mental coercion. The power of his mental picture. This man acquired a practice of relaxing his body and getting into a relaxed, drowsy, meditative state. Then, he filled his mind with the picture of the desired end, knowing his subconscious mind could bring it about the easiest way. He imagined his daughter congratulating him on his freedom and saying to him, Daddy, it's wonderful to have you home. He had lost his family through drink. He was not allowed to visit them, and his wife would not speak to him. Regularly, systematically, he used to sit down and meditate in the way outlined. When his attention wandered, he made it a habit to immediately recall the mental picture of his daughter with her smile and the scene of his home enlivened by her cheerful voice. All this brought about a reconditioning of his mind. It was a gradual process. He kept it up. He persevered knowing that sooner or later he would establish a new habit pattern in his subconscious mind. I told him that he could liken his conscious mind to a camera 
that his subconscious mind was the sensitive plate on which he registered and impressed the picture. This made a profound impression on him, and his whole aim was to firmly impress the picture on his mind and develop it there. Films are developed in the dark. Likewise, mental pictures are developed in the dark room of the subconscious mind. Focused Attention Realizing that his conscious mind was simply a camera, he used no effort. There was no mental struggle. He quietly adjusted his thoughts and focused his attention on the scene before him until he gradually became identified with the picture. He became absorbed in the mental atmosphere, repeating the mental movie frequently. There was no room for doubt that a healing would follow. When there was any temptation to drink, he would switch his imagination from any reveries of drinking bouts to the feeling of being at home with his family. He was successful because he confidently expected to experience the picture he was developing in his mind. Today, he is president of a multi-million dollar concern and is radiantly happy. He said a jinx was following him. Mr. Block said that he had been making an annual income of $20,000. But for the past three months, all doors seemed to jam tightly. He brought clients up to the point where they were about to sign on the dotted line, and then at the 11th hour, the door closed. He added that perhaps a jinx was following him. In discussing the matter with Mr. Block, I discovered that three months previously, he had become very irritated, annoyed, and resentful toward a dentist who, after he had promised to sign a contract, had withdrawn at the last moment. He began to live in the unconscious fear that other clients would do the same, thereby setting up a history of frustration, hostility, and obstacles. He gradually built up in his mind a belief in obstruction and last-minute cancellations until a vicious circle had been established. What I fear most has come upon me. Mr. Block realized that the trouble was in his own mind and that it was essential to change his mental attitude. His run of so-called misfortune was broken in the following way. I realize I am one with the infinite intelligence of my subconscious mind, which knows no obstacle, difficulty, or delay. I live in the joyous expectancy of the best. My deeper mind responds to my thoughts. I know that the work of the infinite power of my subconscious cannot be hindered. Infinite intelligence always finishes successfully whatever it begins. Creative wisdom works through me, bringing all my plans and purposes to completion. Whatever I start, I bring to a successful conclusion. My aim in life is to give wonderful service, and all those whom I contact are blessed by what I have to offer. All my work comes to full fruition in divine order. He repeated this prayer every morning before going to call on his customers, and he also prayed each night prior to sleep. In a short time, he had established a new habit pattern in his subconscious mind, and he was back in his old accustomed stride as a successful salesman. How much do you want what you want? A young man asked Socrates how he could get wisdom. Socrates replied, come with me. He took the lad to a river, pushed the boy's head under the water, held it there until the boy was gasping for air, then relaxed and released his head. When the boy regained his composure, he asked him, What did you desire most when you were underwater? I wanted air, said the boy. Socrates said to him, When you want wisdom as much as you wanted air, you were immersed in the water. You will receive it. Likewise, when you have a really intense desire to overcome any block in your life, and you come to a clear-cut decision that there is a way out, and that is the course you wish to follow, then victory and triumph are assured. 
If you really want peace of mind and inner calm, you will get it, regardless of how unjustly you have been treated, or how unfair the boss has been, or what a mean scoundrel someone has proved to be. All this makes no difference to you when you awaken to your mental and spiritual powers. You know what you want, and you will definitely refuse to let the thieves, thoughts of hatred, anger, hostility, and ill will rob you of peace, harmony, health, and happiness. You cease to become upset by people, conditions, news, and events by identifying your thoughts immediately with your aim in life. Your aim is peace, health, inspiration, harmony, and abundance. Feel a river of peace flowing through you now. Your thought is the immaterial and invisible power, and you choose to let it bless, inspire, and give you peace. Why he could not be healed. This is a case history of a married man with four children who was supporting and secretly living with another woman during his business trips. He was ill, nervous, irritable, and cantankerous, and he could not sleep without drugs. The doctor's medicine failed to bring down his high blood pressure of over 200. He had pains in numerous organs of his body, which doctors could not diagnose or relieve. To make matters worse, he was drinking heavily. The cause of all this was a deep unconscious sense of guilt. He had violated the marriage vows, and this troubled him. The religious creed he was brought up on was deeply lodged in his subconscious mind, and he drank excessively to heal the wound of guilt. Some invalids take morphine and codeine for severe pains. He was taking alcohol for the pain or wound in his mind. It was the old story of adding fuel to the fire. The Explanation and the Cure He listened to the explanation of how his mind worked. He faced his problem, looked at it, and gave up his dual role. He knew that his drinking was an unconscious attempt to escape. The hidden cause lodged in his subconscious mind had to be eradicated. Then the healing would follow. He began to impress his subconscious mind three or four times a day by using the following prayer. My mind is full of peace, poise, balance, and equilibrium. The infinite lies stretched in smiling repose within me. I am not afraid of anything in the past, the present, or the future. The infinite intelligence of my subconscious mind leads, guides, and directs me in all ways. I now meet every situation with faith, poise, calmness, and confidence. I am now completely free from the habit. My mind is full of inner peace, freedom, and joy. I forgive myself. Then I am forgiven. Peace, sobriety, and confidence reign supreme in my mind. He repeated this prayer frequently as outlined, being fully aware of what he was doing and why he was doing it. Knowing what he was doing gave him the necessary faith and confidence. I explained to him that as he spoke these statements out loud, slowly, lovingly, and meaningfully, they would gradually sink down into his subconscious mind. Like seeds, they would grow after their kind. These truths, on which he concentrated, went in through his eyes, his ears heard the sound, and the healing vibrations of these words reached his subconscious mind and obliterated all the negative mental patterns which caused all the trouble. Light dispels darkness. The constructive thought destroys the negative thought. He became a transformed man within a month, refusing to admit it. If you are an alcoholic or drug addict, admit it. Do not dodge the issue. 
Many people remain alcoholics because they refuse to admit it. Your disease is an instability, an inner fear. You are refusing to face life, and so you try to escape your responsibilities through the bottle. As an alcoholic, you have no free will, although you think you have, and you may even boast about your willpower. If you are a habitual drunkard and say bravely, I will not touch it anymore, you have no power to make this assertion come true because you do not know where to locate the power. You are living in a psychological prison of your own making, and you are bound by your beliefs, opinions, training, and environmental influences. Like most people, you are a creature of habit. You are conditioned to react the way you do. Building the idea of freedom. You can build the idea of freedom and peace of mind into your mentality so that it reaches your subconscious depths. The latter, being all-powerful, will free you from all desire for alcohol. Then, you will have the new understanding of how your mind works, and you can truly back up your statement and prove the truth to yourself. 51% Heal If you have a keen desire to free yourself from any destructive habit, you are 51% healed already. When you have a greater desire to give up the bad habit than to continue it, you will not experience too much difficulty in gaining complete freedom. Whatever thought you anchor the mind upon, the latter magnifies. If you engage the mind on the concept of freedom, freedom from the habit, and peace of mind, and if you keep it focused on this new direction of attention, you generate feelings and emotions which gradually emotionalize the concept of freedom and peace. Whatever idea you emotionalize is accepted by your subconscious and brought to pass. The Law of Substitution Realize that something good can come out of your suffering. You have not suffered in vain. However, it is foolish to continue to suffer. If you continue as an alcoholic, it will bring about mental and physical deterioration and decay. Realize that the power in your subconscious is backing you up. Even though you may be seized with melancholia, you should begin to imagine the joy of freedom that is in store for you. This is the law of substitution. Your imagination took you to the bottle. Let it take you now to freedom and peace of mind. You will suffer a little bit, but it is for a constructive purpose. You will bear it like a mother in the pangs of childbirth, and you will, likewise, bring forth a child of the mind. Your subconscious will give birth to sobriety. Cause of Alcoholism The real cause of alcoholism is negative and destructive thinking. For as a man thinketh, so is he. The alcoholic has a deep sense of inferiority, inadequacy, defeat, and frustration, usually accompanied by a deep inner hostility. He has countless alibis as to his reason for drinking, but the sole reason is in his thought life. Three Magic Steps The first step, get still. Quiet the wheels of the mind. Enter into a sleepy, drowsy state. In this relaxed, peaceful, receptive state, you are preparing for the second step. The second step. Take a brief phrase which can readily be graven on the memory and repeat it over and over as a lullaby. Use the phrase, sobriety and peace of mind are mine now, and I give thanks. To prevent the mind from wandering, Repeat it aloud or sketch its pronunciation with the lips and tongue as you say it mentally. This helps its entry into the subconscious mind. Do this for five minutes or more. You will find a deep emotional response. The third step. Just before going to sleep, practice what Johann von Goethe, German author, used to do. 
Imagine a friend, a loved one in front of you. Your eyes are closed. You are relaxed and at peace. The loved one or friend is subjectively present and is saying to you, congratulations. You see the smile. You hear the voice. You mentally touch the hand. It's all real and vivid. The word congratulations implies complete freedom. Hear it over and over again until you get the subconscious reaction which satisfies. Keep on keeping on. When fear knocks at the door of your mind, or when worry, anxiety, and doubt cross your mind, behold your vision, your goal. Think of the infinite power within your subconscious mind, which you can generate by thinking and imagining, and this will give you confidence, power, and courage. Keep on, persevere, until the day breaks and the shadows flee away. Review your thought power. 1. The solution lies within the problem. The answer is in every question. Infinite intelligence responds to you as you call upon it with faith and confidence. 2. Habit is the function of your subconscious mind. There is no greater evidence of the marvelous power of your subconscious than the force and sway habit holds in your life. You are a creature of habit. 3. You form habit patterns in your subconscious mind by repeating a thought and act over and over again until it establishes tracks in your subconscious mind and becomes automatic, such as swimming, dancing, typing, walking, driving your car, etc. 4. You have freedom to choose. You can choose a good habit or a bad habit. Prayer is a good habit. 5. Whatever mental picture backed by faith you behold in your conscious mind, your subconscious mind will bring to pass. 6. The only obstacle to your success and achievement is your own thought or mental image. 7. When your attention wanders, bring it back to the contemplation of your good or goal. Make a habit of this. This is called disciplining the mind. 8. Your conscious mind is the camera, and your subconscious mind is the sensitive plate on which you register or impress the picture. 9. The only jinx that follows anyone is a fear thought repeated over and over in the mind. Break the jinx by knowing that whatever you start, you will bring to a conclusion in divine order. Picture the happy ending and sustain it with confidence. 10. To form a new habit, you must be convinced that it is desirable. When your desire to give up the bad habit is greater than your desire to continue, you are 51% healed already. 11. The statements of others cannot hurt you except through your own thoughts and mental participation. Identify yourself with your aim, which is peace, harmony, and joy. You are the only thinker in your universe. 12. Excessive drinking is an unconscious desire to escape. The cause of alcoholism is negative and destructive thinking. The cure is to think of freedom, sobriety, and perfection, and to feel the thrill of accomplishment. 13. Many people remain alcoholics because they refuse to admit it. 14. The law of your subconscious mind, which held you in bondage and inhibited your freedom of action, will give you freedom and happiness. It depends on how you use it. 15. Your imagination took you to the bottle. Let it take you to freedom by imagining you are free. 16. The real cause of alcoholism is negative and destructive thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, subconscious mind, so is he. 17. When fear knocks at the door of your mind, 
Let faith in God and all things good open the door. Chapter 19. How to use your subconscious mind to remove fear. One of our students told me that he was invited to speak at a banquet. He said he was panic-stricken at the thought of speaking before a thousand people. He overcame this fear this way. For several nights, he sat down in an armchair for about five minutes and said to himself slowly, quietly, and positively, I am going to master this fear. I am overcoming it now. I speak with poise and confidence. I am relaxed and at ease. He operated a definite law of mind and overcame his fear. The subconscious mind is amenable to suggestion and is controlled by suggestion. When you still your mind and relax, the thoughts of your conscious mind sink down into the subconscious through a process similar to osmosis, whereby fluids separated by a porous membrane intermingle. As these positive seeds or thoughts sink into the subconscious area, they grow after their kind and you become poised, serene, and calm. Man's Greatest Enemy It is said that fear is man's greatest enemy. Fear is behind failure, sickness, and poor human relations. Millions of people are afraid of the past, the future, old age, insanity, and death. Fear is a thought in your mind, and you are afraid of your own thoughts. A little boy can be paralyzed with fear when he is told there is a boogeyman under his bed who is going to take him away. When his father turns on the light and shows him there is no boogeyman, he is freed from fear. The fear in the mind of the boy was as real as if there really was a boogeyman there. He was healed of a false thought in his mind. The thing he feared did not exist. Likewise, most of your fears have no reality. They are merely a conglomeration of sinister shadows, and shadows have no reality. Do the thing you fear. Ralph Waldo Emerson, philosopher and poet, said, quote, Do the thing you are afraid to do, and the death of fear is certain. Unquote. There was a time when the writer of this chapter was filled with unutterable fear when standing before an audience. The way I overcame it was to stand before the audience, do the thing I was afraid to do, and the death of fear was certain. When you affirm positively that you are going to master your fears and you come to a definite decision in your conscious mind, you release the power of the subconscious which flows in response to the nature of your thought. Banishing Stage Fright A young lady was invited to an audition. She had been looking forward to the interview. However, on three previous occasions, she had failed miserably due to stage fright. She possessed a very good voice, but she was certain that when the time came for her to sing, she would be seized with stage fright. The subconscious mind takes your fears as a request, proceeds to manifest them, and brings them into your experience. On three previous auditions, she sang wrong notes, and she finally broke down and cried. The cause, as previously outlined, was an involuntary auto-suggestion. For example, a silent fear thought emotionalized and subjectified. She overcame it by the following technique. Three times a day, she isolated herself in her room. She sat down comfortably in an armchair, relaxed her body, and closed her eyes. She stilled her mind and body to the best of her ability. Physical inertia favors passivity and renders the mind more receptive to suggestion. She counteracted the fear suggestion by its converse, saying to herself, I sing beautifully. I am poised, serene, confident, and calm. She repeated the words slowly, quietly, 
and with feeling from five to ten times at each sitting. She had three such sittings every day and one immediately prior to sleep at night. At the end of a week, she was completely poised and confident and gave a definitely outstanding audition. Carry out the above procedure and the death of fear is certain. Fear of failure. Occasionally, young men from the local university come to see me, as well as school teachers, who often seem to suffer from suggestive amnesia at examinations. The complaint is always the same. I know the answers after the examination is over, but I can't remember the answers during the examination. The idea, which realizes itself, is the one to which we invariably give concentrated attention. I find that each one is obsessed with the idea of failure. Fear is behind the temporary amnesia, and it is the cause of the whole experience. One young medical student was the most brilliant person in his class, yet he found himself failing to answer simple questions at the time of written or oral examinations. I explained to him that the reason was he had been worrying and was fearful for several days previous to the examination. These negative thoughts became charged with fear. Thoughts enveloped in the powerful emotion of fear are realized in the subconscious mind. In other words, this young man was requesting his subconscious mind to see to it that he failed, and that is exactly what it did. On the day of the examination, he found himself stricken with what is called, in psychological circles, suggestive amnesia. How he overcame the fear. He learned that his subconscious mind was the storehouse of memory and that it had a perfect record of all he had heard and read during his medical training. Moreover, he learned that the subconscious mind was responsive and reciprocal. The way to be on rapport with it was to be relaxed, peaceful, and confident. Every night and morning, he began to imagine his mother congratulating him on his wonderful record. He would hold an imaginary letter from her in his hand. As he began to contemplate the happy result, he called forth a corresponding or reciprocal response or reaction in himself. The all-wise and omnipotent power of the subconscious took over, dictated, and directed his conscious mind accordingly. He imagined the end, thereby willing the means to the realization of the end. Following this procedure, he had no trouble passing subsequent examinations. In other words, the subjective wisdom took over, compelling him to give an excellent account of himself. Fear of water, mountain, closed spaces, etc. There are many people who are afraid to go into an elevator, climb mountains, or even swim in the water. It may well be that the individual had unpleasant experiences in the water in his youth, such as having been thrown forcibly into the water without being able to swim. He might have been forcibly detained in an elevator which failed to function properly, causing resultant fear of closed places. I had an experience when I was about 10 years of age. I accidentally fell into a pool and went down three times. I can still remember the dark water engulfing my head and my gasping for air until another boy pulled me out at the last moment. This experience sank into my subconscious mind and for years I feared the water. An elderly psychologist said to me, go down to the swimming pool, look at the water and say out loud in strong tones, I am going to master you, I can dominate you then go into the water, take lessons, and overcome it. This I did, and I mastered the water. Do not permit water to master you. Remember, you are the master of the water. When I assumed a new attitude of mind, the omnipotent power of the subconscious responded, 
giving me strength, faith, and confidence, and enabling me to overcome my fear. Master Technique for Overcoming Any Particular Fear The following is a process and technique for overcoming fear which I teach from the platform. It works like a charm. Try it. Suppose you are afraid of the water, a mountain, an interview, an audition, or you fear closed places. If you are afraid of swimming, begin now to sit still for 5 or 10 minutes 3 or 4 times a day and imagine you are swimming. Actually, you are swimming in your mind. It is a subjective experience. Mentally, you have projected yourself into the water. You feel the chill of the water and the movement of your arms and legs. It is all real, vivid, and a joyous activity of the mind. It is not idle daydreaming. For you know that what you are experiencing in your imagination will be developed in your subconscious mind. Then, you will be compelled to express the image and likeness of the picture you impressed on your deeper mind. This is the law of the subconscious. You could apply the same technique if you are afraid of mountains or high places. Imagine you are climbing the mountain. Feel the reality of it all. Enjoy the scenery, knowing that as you continue to do this mentally, you will do it physically with ease and comfort. He blessed the elevator. I knew an executive of a large corporation who was terrified to ride in an elevator. He would walk up five flights of stairs to his office every morning. He said that he began to bless the elevator every night and several times a day. He finally overcame his fear. This was how he blessed the elevator. The elevator in our building is a wonderful idea. It came out of the universal mind. It is a boon and a blessing to all our employees. It gives wonderful service. It operates in divine order. I ride it in peace and joy. I remain silent now while the currents of life, love, and understanding flow through the patterns of my thought. In my imagination, I am now in the elevator, and I step out into my office. The elevator is full of our employees. I talk to them, and they are friendly, joyous, and free. It is a wonderful experience of freedom, faith, and confidence. I give thanks. He continued this prayer for about 10 days. And on the 11th day, he walked into the elevator with other members of the organization and felt completely free. Normal and Abnormal Fear Man is born only with two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of noise. These are a sort of alarm system given you by nature as a means of self-preservation. Normal fear is good. You hear an automobile coming down the road and you step aside to survive. The momentary fear of being run over is overcome by your action. All other fears were given to you by parents, relatives, teachers, and all those who influenced your early years. Abnormal fear. Abnormal fear takes place when man lets his imagination run riot. I knew a woman who was invited to go on a trip around the world by plane. She began to cut out of the newspapers all reports of airplane catastrophes. She pictured herself going down in the ocean being drowned, etc. This is abnormal fear. Had she persisted in this, she would undoubtedly have attracted what she feared most. Another example of abnormal fear is that of a businessman in New York who was very prosperous and successful. He had his own private mental motion picture, of which he was the director. He would run this mental movie of failure, bankruptcy, empty shelves, and no bank balance until he sank into a deep depression. He refused to stop this morbid imagery and kept reminding his wife that this can't last. 
There will be a recession. I feel sure we will go bankrupt, etc. His wife told me that he finally did go into bankruptcy, and all the things he imagined and feared came to pass. The things he feared did not exist, but he brought them to pass by constantly fearing, believing, and expecting financial disaster. Job said, the thing I feared has come upon me. There are people who are afraid that something terrible will happen to their children and that some dread catastrophe will befall them. When they read about an epidemic or rare disease, they live in fear that they will catch it, and some imagine they have the disease already. All this is abnormal fear. The answer to abnormal fear. Move mentally to the opposite. To stay at the extreme of fear as stagnation, plus mental and physical deterioration. When fear arises, there immediately comes with it a desire for something opposite the thing feared. Place your attention on the thing immediately desired. Get absorbed and engrossed in your desire, knowing that the subjective always overturns the objective. This attitude will give you confidence and lift your spirits. The infinite power of your subconscious mind is moving on your behalf, and it cannot fail. Therefore, peace and assurance are yours. Examine your fears. The president of a large organization told me that when he was a salesman, he used to walk around the block five or six times before he called on a customer. The sales manager came along one day and said to him, don't be afraid of the boogeyman behind the door. There is no boogeyman. It is a false belief. The manager told him that whenever he looked at his own fears, he stared them in the face and stood up to them, looking them straight in the eye. They faded and shrank into insignificance. He landed in the jungle. A chaplain told me of his experiences in the Second World War. He had parachuted from a damaged plane and landed in the jungle. He said he was frightened, but he knew there were two kinds of fear, normal and abnormal, which we have previously pointed out. He decided to do something about the fear immediately and began to talk to himself, saying, John, you can't surrender to your fear. Your fear is a desire for safety and security and a way out. He began to claim infinite intelligence which guides the planets in their courses is now leading and guiding me out of this jungle. He kept saying this out loud to himself for 10 minutes or more. Then, he added, something began to stir inside me. A mood of confidence began to seize me and I began to walk. After a few days, I miraculously came out of the jungle and was picked up by a rescue plane. His changed mental attitude saved him. His confidence and trust in the subjective wisdom and power within him was the solution to his problem. He said, had I begun to bemoan my fate and indulge my fears, I would have succumbed to the monster fear and probably would have died of fear and starvation. He dismissed himself. The general manager of an organization told me that for three years he feared he would lose his position. He was always imagining failure. The thing he feared did not exist, save as a morbid, anxious thought in his own mind. His vivid imagination dramatized the loss of his job until he became nervous and neurotic. Finally, he was asked to resign. Actually, he dismissed himself. His constant negative imagery and fear suggestions to his subconscious mind caused the latter to respond and react accordingly. It caused him to make mistakes and foolish decisions which resulted in his failure as a general manager. His dismissal would never have happened if he had immediately moved to the opposite in his mind. They plotted against him. 
During a recent world lecture tour, I had a two-hour conversation with a prominent government official. He had a deep sense of inner peace and serenity. He said that all the abuse he receives politically from newspapers and the opposition party never disturb him. His practice is to sit still for 15 minutes in the morning and realize that in the center of himself is a deep, still ocean of peace. Meditating in this way, he generates tremendous power which overcomes all manner of difficulties and fears. Sometime previously, a colleague called him at midnight and told him a group of people were plotting against him. This is what he said to his colleague. I'm going to sleep now in perfect peace. You can discuss it with me at 10 a.m. tomorrow. He said to me, I know that no negative thought can ever manifest, except I emotionalize the thought and accept it mentally. I refuse to entertain their suggestion of fear. Therefore, no harm can come to me. Notice how calm he was, how cool, how peaceful. He did not start getting excited, tearing his hair, or wringing his hands. At his center, he found the still water, an inner peace, and there was a great calm. Deliver yourself from all your fears. Use this perfect formula for casting out fear. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 34, verse 4. The Lord is an ancient word meaning law. doing out there anyway. Uh, it's going pretty nice so far up until that. That was all sounding very lovely. Um, second. There we go. Let's um, let's all let's all pray and just uh, visualize this stream continuing. <laughs> <laughs> 
perfectly, delightfully. I could stop. I could probably stop whispering now. I don't want to um, wake anyone. Anyone who's gone to sleep listening to this. I don't want this to shock them out of it. You know that would be. Uh, that would be unfortunate, right? To be shocked out of one's delightful, meaning sleep. Shouts out to everybody locked in. What a beef nips ninety nine. <laughs> Cosmic kangaroo says gratitude. Exactly. Uh, what up, Yoga Max? Says the word is law. Indeed, indeed, indeed. The word is law. Um, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mm. Uh, school era. Anyway. Uh, Chad is praying for the stream. Exactly. So is, where's the second? Appreciate you. Golamudi is sleeping. That's nice, isn't it? Bad Buddha 93 says, It's been so relaxing to be here today. I could listen to you forever. You know, we're working on having enough stuff that, you know, you could. Hypothetically. Uh, just got two albums finished. Um, which is very exciting. One of them is all mixed and mastered and everything now. The other one I finished uh, my production and mixing on and I'm just sending it over to James to do his final polishing. And uh, so they, they will come to you soon. Got to do the artwork and all that sort of thing. Ill Inc. says, Akira, you should do an entire stream whispering. Yeah, I should. What would I whisper about? And just read the chat very quietly for a while word xp says go from soft meaning sleep to he's got clout push 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 i was very tempted to press those buttons but actually i can't press those buttons can i because the um the software collapsed the software collapsed i wonder why it did that it's very rude of it um anyway xx madog madrex says now this is a party Yes, this is a party. This is a. This is the, the pre-party for tomorrow's party. When it says tomorrow is party, and it says that on the thumbnail. Uh, if you go have a look over here. Uh, why do you make me do this every day? OBS. Why do you make me tell you what I'm looking at every day? There you go. Tomorrow party. Imagine it was like this. Would you like that? Party sort of whispering quietly and um, looking at Traxo, which has currently got a beach ball. What we don't want is a beach ball. We want it to just shut itself and then switch back on again because if I have to force quit it, it will lose uh, the marker I just put in the audio of the book we were listening to which means I will have to find where we were 
and that could be tricky. Um, so what we want to be doing is visualizing the beach ball dissipating and the thing just saving itself very nicely. You know, that's what we want. That's what we want from this situation. Uh, Yoga Max says, I'm looking at the Prosperity Bible and I vote for it to the next speaker to be the next audio book club. 19 books in one edition. That sounds like a big book. <laughs> that sounds like a large endeavor. You know, these things are very, are very much endeavors. Um, and they're very intense and taxing energetically and mentally <laughs> for some reason. It's always an intense thing. God, Lord, remember that Dune Wave thing? We did the entirety of Dune. That was very, very intense. Um, but yes, I have a large amount of books lined up, but um, we're going to be doing a series of sort of short books over the next month that we'll be able to do the entire book in one stream. So we're going to do a bunch of those, very condensed wisdom sort of books, a lot of old ones, a lot of very old ones. Um, Amcast says, can you read the rest of the book and beatbox at the same time? Um, obviously, yeah, of course, I can do anything, but um, would it be uh, the best thing to do? Because what we're going to do once these have all been finished is stitch them together in one video that's just this, uh, uninterrupted by intros and outros and stuff, thus that it be may, they may be more useful across space and time. Uh, and I think it's shifting into... a talky beatbox <laughs> yoga max is 24 hour stream worthy what are you trying to do to me what are you trying to make me do a 24 hour book book waving stream trying to kill me uh ill ink said should conjure up an image of a spinning beach ball of life what is a spinning beach ball of life my association with with spinning beach balls are purely negative i wonder what um i wonder what dr joseph murphy would say about that or do about that. Hey, look, it's Maria Lizak. Or I saw, yeah, she says, remember the stream you did by candlelight? Yeah, that was nice, wasn't it? We did that in Texas, Texas, I believe. The stream by candlelight. I can't remember what we talked about, but I do remember it happened. I remember it occurred. Chad says, can you have JBP read the Bible as you spin lo-fi in the background? Um, actually, that's a very good idea. Hmm. Huh. That's a good idea, isn't it? Hmm. Because, you know, obviously, the Bible is on my list of things to do. <laughs> and I have wondered about the optimal way of doing it. I have a bunch of potentialities. There's a number of potentialities. What would be nice, you know, would be to do something like that as a live event with a nice sort of cozy uh, chair and a fireside on the stage somehow. I wonder if you could do that. Um, yeah. Chris Dubendorf says, great stream, thank you. Hey, thank you. It is a great stream, isn't it? Just standing around, <laughs> standing around, looking at a spinning beach ball, um, wondering what to do about the spinning beach ball. I suspect that the spinning beach ball will just continue to spin, and now we have to make a choice. And the choice is, uh, do we allow the spinning beach ball to spin, um, and then pick this up and finish it at a later date 
Um, or do we force quit the software and reload it and then I have to find where we were? The trick for fi the tricky thing about finding where we were is because of all this nonsense. I can't remember exactly where in the book we were. If you guys know exactly where in the book we were, then I can do that. Um, so this relies on you. If Can you remember where in the book we were, what chapter we were at, and how far into it we were, and what the last thing said was? Those are the things I need. That's the information I require in order to be able to do that cosmic kangaroo says use the force you're right i should i what i should do is use the power of my subconscious mind shouldn't i um that's what i should do i should use the power of my subconscious mind to fix all of it um yeah yoga max says story time with akira and jordan b peterson hercules is my son has been saying dada you should do a stream where you just read a story i mean what do you mean he's like yeah you don't don't play don't dj you read the story you have a book and you read the story that would be a good stream I said, okay, I think you're probably right. You know, there used to be such a thing called uh, Jack and Ori when I was young. Um, why have I still got this just showing the background of that? That's, that's pointless. There used to be such a thing as Jack and Ori on children's television. And when I would go around my auntie's house or my granddad's house, they had a TV. We didn't have a TV. And I would see what was on the TV. And sometimes it was Jack and Ori. And what Jack and Ori was was a thing where a sort of um, celebrity type, um, usually, you know, like, Rick Mail from The Young Ones or someone like that, um, someone kind of inappropriate, uh, would sit in a chair and they'd read a, ch a story to the children. And it was that was the show, just literally a guy sat in, in a chair reading. I feel we could do that. <laughs> I mean, we technologically, we can do that. And I do have a chair, you know, so we could do that. And maybe that would be nice, you know. Okay, let's see. The chat is bringing together what had happened. Um, it's unfortunate that I do not have um, Jason Eva today. It is unfortunate that Jason Eva is, is currently um, uh, swimming around the place uh, uh, on a raft down his road uh, with his family, uh, occasionally looking at his phone and doing things <laughs> like a G, because he'd know, you see. He's a professional. Uh, we just finished The Man Who Survived Being in the Wilderness, Yogamak, Lord is an ancient word meaning law was the last thing that was said, Sarah Kira. Okay. And um, I wonder what chapter that was. I don't even know what chapter. Uh, we could restart the chapter, said, says Chad. Yeah, the pro again, the problem with that, though, is because the whole thing is flowing, I do not know what the music was at the end of the last chapter or what key it was in. And I wish for the whole thing to be harmonically compatible we could restart the chapter i could guess i have a kind of idea of the vicinity we were in i could make that work probably could probably make that work all right what chapter are we on anyone know <laughs> no chris don't know uh cosmic kangaroo says the crime fighting german shepherd exactly the crime fighting german shepherd um yeah hmm no, the beach, but the beach ball is still beaching. Beaching away. Uh, doo, doo, doo. All right, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to uh, bite the proverbial bullet and force quit this bitch. Um, force quit the non-responding thing. So now that will lose my marker. Um, 
Okay. I'm not going to send a report. Now, I'm not snitching to Apple on Native Instruments and their um, failed Traktor software. I'm not. I'm not doing that. What I am doing is reopening the software, which is now doing that, and it's loading the track collection. Isn't that nice? And uh, And I will load in the audio that we were listening to, and we shall find where we were, ladies and gentlemen. We will find it. We will find the truth of where we were, and we will complete this book, and it will be wonderful, and we'll be glad that we did. And, uh, and we, we can be thankful to uh, the power of someone's subconscious mind when it all comes to pass in the correct fashion. <gasps> Hey, look, the power of my subconscious mind saved the marker, even though the software crashed and normally it does its saving when you exit the thing. So we are in the, we've got the right vicinity because I wasn't sh exactly sure. Okay, so together we can do this. What was the last thing that was said? Um, the Lord is an ancient word, meaning law was the last thing that was said. And you will be free of all fears. I sought the Lord and he heard me. Okay, so we're in this vicinity, right? And you will be free of all. Be free of so next chapter. Put them into practice. Now. Learn the wonders of your subconscious. Psalm 34. Sought the Lord, and he heard me. Without fear. I saw this formula for casting out. Use this perfect formula for casting yourself. Deliver yourself from all your fears. Your inner water and inner peace. Holding his hands. At his center, he found the still water, an inner peace, and there was a great calm. Did we have that bit? I feel we might have had that bit. We could restart the chapter, says Chad. Mm, we just finished the story of the man who survived wilderness. Oh, hang on. Uh, that woke me up, said Word XP. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome, welcome back. Uh, the power of maze. I have faith that we will find the truth. It's amazing to see a master at work. <laughs> Surely it is. Surely it is. And you will be... But what we need to know is exactly where we were before. I feel it was around here. And you will be free of all fears. I mean, I know it was. I here. sought the Lord, and He heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Do you know what someone could do? Somebody could skip back in the video, and find out what it was. That would be good. Mentally, and still ocean of peace. Recent world lecture tour. I had a two-hour conversation with a prominent government official. He had a deep sense of inner peace and serenity. He said that all the abuse he receives politically from newspapers and the op... It was this story, so I think we can just start with this story. I think we can do that, and uh, then I'll be able to fix it in the mix, so to speak, afterwards. Official. He had a... Yes, I think that is the way of doing it. Um... Nervous and neurotic. Finally, he was asked to resign. Actually... He dismissed himself. His constant negative imagery and fear suggestions to his subconscious mind caused the latter to respond and react accordingly. Mm. It caused him to make mistakes and foolish decisions which resulted in his failure as a general manager. Yes, it did. His dismissal would never have happened if he had immediately moved to the opposite in his mind. Exactly. They plotted against him. This, okay, we'll stand there. Here you go, they plotted against him. They plotted against him. Can you believe that? And uh, I do know what song we were using. What bit of music, so we can go back to that. Another paradox. Yes, delightful. Isn't this exciting? Wow, we get to we get to fix everything. 
Oh, I, sh I should have mentioned while all this was going on that uh, this broadcast is, of course, sponsored by MeaningWave.com. And uh, you should probably open up a tab and have a look at MeaningWave.com and see if there's anything useful for you over there. I'm sure there is. Um, ooh, 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 ooh. Ooh, ooh, okay. Okay, this is going to be great. Um, One last thing I need. I need my noises, brothers and sisters. I need to load up my noises. Uh, shouts out to anyone who's just woken up from a deep slumber. Um, you're going to enjoy this. There, a soothing chime. How about that, huh? A soothing chime for you, just for you. Not for anyone else, just purely for you. Now, one last thing for us to to get together, and then I think we should be ready to rumble in the words of uh, Anton Deck. You know? Okay. Oh, actually, I know the best way of doing it is if I start purely with the sound of the voice and then bring in the music. That'll be easy to fix afterwards. Okay, let's go. We're back. We're back, brothers and sisters. Mama, we made it. Let's go. They plotted against him. During a recent world lecture tour, I had a two-hour conversation with a prominent government official. He had a deep sense of inner peace and serenity. He said that all the abuse he receives politically from newspapers and the opposition party never disturb him. His practice is to sit still for 15 minutes in the morning and realize that in the center of himself is a deep, still ocean of peace. Meditating in this way, he generates tremendous power which overcomes all manner of difficulties and fears. Sometime previously, a colleague called him at midnight and told him a group of people were plotting against him. This is what he said to his colleague. I'm going to sleep now in perfect peace. You can discuss it with me at 10 a.m. tomorrow. He said to me, I know that no negative thought can ever manifest, except I emotionalize the thought and accept it mentally. I refuse to entertain their suggestion of fear. Therefore, no harm can come to me. Notice how calm he was, how cool, how peaceful. He did not start getting excited, tearing his hair, or wringing his hands. At his center, he found the still water, an inner peace, and there was a great calm. Deliver yourself from all your fears. Use this perfect formula for casting out fear. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 34, verse 4. The Lord is an ancient word meaning law, the power of your subconscious mind. Learn the wonders of your subconscious and how it works and functions. Master the techniques given to you in this chapter. Put them into practice now, today. Your subconscious will respond, and you will be free of all fears. I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Step this way to freedom from fear. 1. Do the thing you are afraid to do, and the death of fear is certain. Say to yourself, and mean it, I am going to master this fear, and you will. 2. Fear is a negative thought in your mind. Supplant it with a constructive thought. Fear has killed millions. Confidence is greater than fear. Nothing is more powerful than faith in God and the good. 3. Fear is man's greatest enemy. It is behind failure, sickness, and bad human relations. 
Love casts out fear. Love is an emotional attachment to the good things of life. Fall in love with honesty, integrity, justice, goodwill, and success. Live in the joyous expectancy of the best, and invariably the best will come to you. 4. Counteract the fear suggestions with the opposite, such as, I sing beautifully, I am poised, serene and calm. It will pay fabulous dividends. 5. Fear is behind amnesia at oral and written examination time. You can overcome this by affirming frequently, I have perfect memory for everything I need to know. Or you can imagine a friend congratulating you on your brilliant success on the examination. Persevere and you will win. 6. If you are afraid to cross water, swim. In your imagination, swim freely, joyously. Project yourself into the water mentally. Feel the chill and thrill of swimming across the pool. Make it vivid. As you do this subjectively, you will be compelled to go into the water and conquer it. This is the law of your mind. 7. If you are afraid of closed places, such as elevators, lecture halls, etc., mentally ride in an elevator, blessing all its parts and functions. You will be amazed how quickly the fear will be dissipated. 8. You were born with only two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of noise. All your other fears were acquired. Get rid of them. 9. Normal fear is good. Abnormal fear is very bad and destructive. To constantly indulge in fear thoughts results in abnormal fear, obsessions, and complexes. To fear something persistently causes a sense of panic and terror. 10. You can overcome abnormal fear when you know the power of your subconscious mind can change conditions and bring to pass the cherished desires of your heart. Give your immediate attention and devotion to your desire, which is the opposite of your fear. This is the love that casts out fear. 11. If you are afraid of failure, give attention to success. If you are afraid of sickness, dwell on your perfect health. If you are afraid of an accident, dwell on the guidance and protection of God. If you are afraid of death, dwell on eternal life. God is life, and that is your life now. 12. The great law of substitution is the answer to fear. Whatever you fear has its solution in the form of your desire. If you are sick, you desire health. If you are in the prison of fear, you desire freedom. Expect the good. Mentally, concentrate on the good and know that your subconscious mind answers you always. It never fails. 13. The things you fear do not really exist except as thoughts in your mind. Thoughts are creative. This is why Job said, The thing I feared has come upon me. Think good, and good follows. 14. Look at your fears. Hold them up to the light of reason. Learn to laugh at your fears. That is the best medicine. 15. Nothing can disturb you but your own thought. The suggestions, statements, or threats of other persons have no power. The power is within you. And when your thoughts are focused on that which is good, then God's power is with your thoughts of good. There is only one creative power, and it moves as harmony. There are no divisions of quarrels in it. Its source is love. This is why God's power is with your thoughts of good. Chapter 20 How to Stay Young in Spirit Forever Your subconscious mind never grows old. It is timeless, ageless, and endless. 
It is a part of the universal mind of God, which was never born, and it will never die. Fatigue or old age cannot be predicated on any spiritual quality or power. Patience, kindness, veracity, humility, goodwill, peace, harmony, and brotherly love are attributes and qualities which never grow old. If you continue to generate these qualities here on this plane of life, you will always remain young in spirit. I remember reading an article in one of our magazines some years ago, which stated that a group of eminent medical men at the DeCourcy Clinic in Cincinnati, Ohio, reported that years alone are not responsible for bringing about degenerative disorders. These same physicians stated that it is the fear of time, not time itself, that has a harmful aging effect on our minds and bodies, and that the neurotic fear of the effects of time may well be the cause of premature aging. During the many years of my public life, I have had occasion to study the biographies of the famous men and women who have contributed their productive activities into the years well beyond the normal span of life. Some of them achieved their greatness in old age. At the same time, it has been my privilege to meet and to know countless individuals of no prominence who, in their lesser sphere, belong to those hardy mortals who have proved that old age of itself does not destroy the creative powers of the mind and body. He had grown old in his thought life. A few years ago, I called on an old friend in London, England. He was over 80 years of age, very ill, and obviously was yielding to his advancing years. Our conversation revealed his physical weakness, his sense of frustration, and a general deterioration almost approaching lifelessness. His cry was that he was useless and that no one wanted him. With an expression of hopelessness, he betrayed his false philosophy. We are born, grow up, become old, good for nothing, and that's the end. This mental attitude of futility and worthlessness was the chief reason for his sickness. He was looking forward only to senescence, and after that, nothing. Indeed, he had grown old in his thought life, and his subconscious mind brought about all the evidence of his habitual thinking. Age is the dawn of wisdom. Unfortunately, Many people have the same attitude as this unhappy man. They are afraid of what they term old age, the end and extinction, which really means that they are afraid of life. Yet life is endless. Age is not the flight of years, but the dawn of wisdom. Wisdom is an awareness of the tremendous spiritual powers in your subconscious mind and the knowledge of how to apply these powers to lead a full and happy life. Get it out of your head once and for all. At 65, 75, or 85 years of age is synonymous with the end of you or anybody else. It can be the beginning of a glorious, fruitful, active, and most productive life pattern. Better than you have ever experienced. Believe this, expect it, and your subconscious will bring it to pass. Welcome the change. Old age is not a tragic occurrence. What we call the aging process is really change. It is to be welcomed joyfully and gladly, as each phase of human life is a step forward on the path, which has no end. Man has powers, which transcend his bodily powers. He has senses, which transcend his five physical senses. Scientists today are finding positive, indisputable evidence that something conscious in man can leave his present body and travel thousands of miles to see, hear, touch, and speak to people even though his physical body never leaves the couch on which it reclines. Man's life is spiritual and eternal. He need never grow old. 
for life or God cannot grow old. The Bible says that God is life. Life is self-renewing, eternal, indestructible, and is the reality of all men. Evidence for Survival The evidence gathered by the physical research societies both in Great Britain and America is overwhelming. You may go into any large metropolitan library and get volumes on the proceedings of physical research society based on findings of distinguished scientists on survival following so-called death. You will find a startling report on scientific experiments establishing the reality of life after death in the case of psychic survival by Harroward Carrington, director of the American Psychical Institute. Life is. A woman asked Thomas Edison, the electrical wizard, Mr. Edison, what is electricity? He replied, Madam, electricity is. Use it. Electricity is a name we give an invisible power which we do not fully comprehend, but we learn all we can about the principle of electricity and its uses. We use it in countless ways. The scientist cannot see an electron with his eyes, yet he accepts it as a scientific fact, because it is the only valid conclusion which coincides with his other experimental evidence. We cannot see life, however, we know we are alive. Life is, and we are here to express it in all its beauty and glory. Mind and spirit do not grow old. The Bible says, and this is life eternal that they may not know thee, the only true God. John chapter 17, verse 13. The man who thinks or believes that the earthly cycle of birth, adolescence, youth, maturity, and old age is all there is to life is indeed to be pitied. Such a man has no anchor, no hope, no vision, and to him, life has no meaning. This type of belief brings frustration, stagnation, cynicism, and a sense of hopelessness resulting in neurosis and mental aberrations of all kinds. If you cannot play a fast game of tennis, or swim as fast as your son, or if your body has slowed down, or you walk with a slow step, remember life is always clothing itself anew. What men call death is but a journey to a new city in another dimension of life. I say to men and women in my lectures that they should accept what we call old age gracefully. Age has its own glory beauty and wisdom which belong to it. Peace, love, joy, beauty, happiness, wisdom, goodwill, and understanding are qualities which never grow old or die. Ralph Waldo Emerson, poet and philosopher, said, quote, We do not count a man's years until he has nothing else to count. Unquote. Your character, the quality of your mind, your faith, and your convictions are not subject to decay. You are as young as you think you are. I give public lectures in Caxton Hall, London, England every few years, and following one of these lectures, a surgeon said to me, I'm 84 years of age. I operate every morning, visit patients in the afternoons, and I write from medical and other scientific journals in the evening. His attitude was that he was as useful as he believed himself to be, and that he was as young as his thoughts. He said to me, it's true what you said. Man is as strong as he thinks he is, and as valuable as he thinks he is. This surgeon has not surrendered to advancing years. He knows that he is immortal. His final comment to me was, If I should pass on tomorrow, I would be operating on people in the next dimension, not with a surgeon's scalpel, but with mental and spiritual surgery. Your gray hairs are an asset. Don't ever quit a job and say, I'm retired, I'm old, I'm finished. 
That would be stagnation, death, and you would be finished. Some men are old at 30, while others are young at 80. The mind is the master weaver, the architect, the designer, and the sculptor. George Bernard Shaw was active at 90, and the artistic quality of his mind had not relaxed from active duty. I meet men and women who tell me that some employers almost slam the door in their faces when they say they are over 40. This attitude on the part of the employers is to be considered cold, callous, evil, and completely void of compassion and understanding. The total emphasis seems to be on youth. For example, you must be under 35 years of age to receive consideration. The reasoning behind this is certainly very shallow. If the employer would stop and think, he would realize that the man or woman was not selling his age or gray hair. Rather, he was willing to give of his talents, his experience, and his wisdom gathered through years of experience in the marketplace of life. Age is an asset. Your age should be a distinct asset to any organization because of your practice and application through the years of the principles of the golden rule and the law of love and goodwill. Your gray hair, if you have any, should stand for greater wisdom, skill, and understanding. Your emotional and spiritual maturity should be a tremendous blessing to any organization. A man should not be asked to resign when he is 65 years of age. That is the time of life when he could be most useful in handling personnel problems, making plans for the future, making decisions, and guiding others in the realm of creative ideas based on his experience and insight into the nature of the business. Be your age. A motion picture writer in Hollywood told me that he had to write scripts which would cater to the 12-year-old mind. This is a tragic state of affairs if the great masses of people are expected to become emotionally and spiritually mature. It means that the emphasis is placed on youth in spite of the fact that youth stands for inexperience, lack of discernment, and hasty judgment. I can keep up with the best of them. I am now thinking of a man 65 years of age who is trying frantically to keep young. He swims with young men every Sunday, goes on long hikes, plays tennis, and boasts of his prowess and physical power, saying, look, I can keep up with the best of them. He should remember the great truth. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. Diets, exercise, and games of all kinds will not keep this man young. It is necessary for him to observe that he grows old or remains young in accordance with his processes of thinking. Your subconscious mind is conditioned by your thoughts. If your thoughts are constantly on the beautiful, the noble, and the good, you will remain young regardless of the chronological years. Fear of Old Age Job said, The thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. There are many people who fear old age and are uncertain about the future because they anticipate mental and physical deterioration as the years advance. What they think and feel comes to pass. You grow old when you lose interest in life, when you cease to dream, to hunger after new truths, and to search for new worlds to conquer. When your mind is open to new ideas, new interests, and when you raise the curtain and let in the sunshine and inspiration of new truths of life and the universe, you will be young and vital. You have much to give. If you are 65 or 95 years of age, realize you have much to give. You can help stabilize, advise, and direct the younger generation. You can give the gift of your knowledge, your experience, and your wisdom. You can always look ahead 
for at all times you are gazing into infinite life. You will find that you can never cease to unveil the glories and wonders of life. Try to learn something new every moment of the day, and you will find your mind will always be young. 110 years old. Some years ago, while lecturing in Bombay, India, I was introduced to a man who said he was 110 years old. He had the most beautiful face I've ever seen. He seemed transfigured by the radiance of an inner light. There was a rare beauty in his eyes, indicating he had grown old in years with gladness and with no indication that his mind had dimmed its lights. Retirement, a new venture. Be sure that your mind never retires. It must be like a parachute, which is no good unless it opens up. Be open and receptive to new ideas. I have seen men of 65 and 70 retire. They seem to rot away, and in a few months, passed on. They obviously felt that life was at an end. Retirement can be a new venture, a new challenge, a new path, the beginning of the fulfillment of a long dream. It is inexpressibly depressing to hear a man say, What shall I do now that I'm retired? He is saying, in effect, I am mentally and physically dead. My mind is bankrupt of ideas. All this is a false picture. The real truth is that you can accomplish more at 90 than you did at 60, because each day you are growing in wisdom and understanding of life and the universe through your new studies and interest. He graduated to a better job. An executive who lives near me was forced to retire a few months ago because he had reached the age of 65. He said to me, I look upon my retirement as promotion from kindergarten to the first grade. He philosophized in this manner. He said that when he left high school, he went up the ladder by going to college. He realized this was a step forward in his education and understanding of life in general. Likewise, he added, now he could do the things he had always wanted to do. And therefore, his retirement was still another step forward on the ladder of life and wisdom. He came to the wise conclusion that he was no longer going to concentrate on making a living. Now, he was going to give all his attention to living life. He is an amateur photographer, and he took additional courses on the subject. He took a trip around the world and took movies of famous places. He now lectures before various groups, lodges and clubs, and is in popular demand. There are countless ways of taking an interest in something worthwhile outside yourself. Become enthusiastic over new creative ideas, make spiritual progress, and continue to learn and to grow. In this manner, you remain young in heart because you are hungering and thirsting after new truths, and your body will reflect your thinking at all times. You must be a producer and not a prisoner of society. The newspapers are taking cognizance of the fact that the voting population of the elderly in California elections is increasing by leaps and bounds. This means that their voices will be heard in the legislature of the state and also in the halls of Congress. I believe there will be enacted a federal law prohibiting employers from discrimination against men and women because of age. A man of 65 years may be younger mentally, physically and physiologically than many men at 30. It is stupid and ridiculous to tell a man he cannot be hired because he is over 40. It is like saying to him that he is ready for the scrap heap or the junk pile. What is a man of 40 or over to do? Must he bury his talents and hide his light under a bushel? Men who are deprived and prevented from working because of age must be sustained by government treasuries at county, state and federal levels. 
The many organizations who refuse to hire them and benefit from their wisdom and experience will be taxed to support them. This is a form of financial suicide. Man is here to enjoy the fruit of his labor, and he is here to be a producer and not a prisoner of society which compels him to idleness. Man's body slows down gradually as he advances through the years, but his conscious mind can be made much more active, alert, alive, and quickened by the inspiration from his subconscious mind. His mind, in reality, never grows old. Job said, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me, when his candle shined upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in the days of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle. Job chapter 29, verses 2 to 4. Secret of Youth To recapture the days of your youth, feel the miraculous, healing, self-renewing power of your subconscious mind moving through your whole being. Know and feel that you are inspired, lifted up, rejuvenated, revitalized, and recharged spiritually. You can bubble over with enthusiasm and joy, as in the days of your youth, for the simple reason that you can always mentally and emotionally recapture the joyous state. The candle which shines upon your head is divine intelligence and reveals to you everything you need to know. It enables you to affirm the presence of your good, regardless of appearances. You walk by the guidance of your subconscious mind because you know that the dawn appears and the shadows flee away. Get a vision. Instead of saying, I am old, say, I am wise in the way of the divine life. Don't let the corporation, newspapers, or statistics hold a picture before you of old age, declining years, decrepitude, senility, and uselessness. Reject it, for it is a lie. Refuse to be hypnotized by such propaganda. Affirm life, not death. Get a vision of yourself as happy, radiant, successful, serene, and powerful. Your mind does not grow old. Former President Herbert Hoover, now 88 years old, is very active and is performing monumental work. I interviewed him a few years ago in his suite at the Waldorf Astoria, New York City. I found him healthy, happy, vigorous, and full of life and enthusiasm. He was keeping several secretaries busy, handling his correspondence, and was himself writing books of a political and historical nature. Like all great men, I found him affable, genial, amiable, loving, and most understanding. His mental acumen and sagacity gave me the thrill of a lifetime. He is a deeply religious man and is full of faith in God and in the triumph of the eternal truth of life. He was subjected to a barrage of criticism and condemnation in the years of the Great Depression, but he weathered the storm and did not grow old in hatred, resentment, ill will, and bitterness. On the contrary, he went into the silence of his soul and communing with the divine presence within him, he found the peace which is the power at the heart of God. His mind active at 99. My father learned the French language at 65 years of age and became an authority on it at 70. He made a study of Gaelic when he was over 60 and became an acknowledged and famous teacher of the subject. He assisted my sister in a school of higher learning and continued to do so until he passed away at 99. His mind was as clear at 99 as it was when he was 20. Moreover, his handwriting and his reasoning powers had improved with age. Truly, you are as old as you think and feel. We need our senior citizens. 
Marcus Porcius Cato, the Roman patriot, learned Greek at 80. Madame Ernestine schumann Heinck, the great German-American contralto, reached the pinnacle of her musical success after she became a grandmother. It is wonderful to behold the accomplishments of the oldsters. General Douglas MacArthur, Harry S. Truman, General Dwight David Eisenhower, and American financier Bernard Barrick are interesting, active, and contributing their talents and wisdom to the world. The Greek philosopher Socrates learned to play musical instruments when he was 80 years old. Michelangelo was painting his greatest canvases at 80. At 80, Cios Simonides won the prize for poetry. Johann von Goethe finished Faust, and Leopold von Ranke commenced his History of the World, which he finished at 92. Alfred Tennyson wrote a magnificent poem, Crossing the Bar, at 83. Isaac Newton was hard at work close to 85. At 88, John Wesley was directing, preaching, and guiding Methodism. We have several men of 95 years who come to my lectures, and they tell me they are in better health now than they were at 20. Let us place our senior citizens in high places and give them every opportunity to bring forth the flowers of paradise. If you are retired, get interested in the laws of life and the wonders of your subconscious mind. Do something you have always wanted to do study new subjects, and investigate new ideas. Pray as follows. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Psalm 42, Chapter 1 The Fruits of Old Age His flesh shall be fresher than a child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. Job, Chapter 33, Verse 25 Old age really means the contemplation of the truths of God from the highest standpoint. Realize that you are on an endless journey, a series of important steps in the ceaseless, tireless, endless ocean of life. Then, with the psalmist, you will say, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Psalm 92, chapter 14. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. You are a child, son of infinite life, which knows no end, and you are a child of eternity. Profitable pointers. 1. Patience, kindness, love, goodwill, joy, happiness, wisdom, and understanding are qualities which never grow old. Cultivate them and express them, and remain young in mind and body. 2. Some research physicians say that the neurotic fear of the effects of time may well be the cause of premature aging. 3. Age is not the flight of years, it is the dawn of wisdom in the mind of man. 4. The most productive years of your life can be from 65 to 95. 5. Welcome the advancing years. It means you are moving higher on the path of life, which has no end. 6. God is life, and that is your life now. Life is self-renewing, eternal, and indestructible, and is the reality of all men. You live forever because your life is God's life. 7. Evidence of survival after death is overwhelming. Study Proceedings of Psychical Research Society of Great Britain and America in your library. The work is based on the scientific research by outstanding scientists for over 75 years. 
8. You cannot see your mind, but you know you have a mind. You cannot see spirit, but you know that the spirit of the game, the spirit of the artist, the spirit of the musician, and the spirit of the speaker is real. Likewise, the spirit of goodness, truth, and beauty moving in your mind and heart are real. You cannot see life, but you know you are alive. 9. Old age may be called the contemplation of the truths of God from the highest standpoint. The joys of old age are greater than those of youth. Your mind is engaged in spiritual and mental athletics. Nature slows down your body so that you may have the opportunity to meditate on things divine. 10. We do not count a man's years until he has nothing else to count. Your faith and convictions are not subject to decay. 11. You are as young as you think you are. You are as strong as you think you are. You are as useful as you think you are. You are as young as your thoughts. 12. Your gray hairs are an asset. You are not selling your gray hairs. You are selling your talent, abilities, and wisdom, which you have garnered through the years. 13. Diets and exercises won't keep you young. As a man thinketh, so is he. 14. Fear of old age can bring about physical and mental deterioration. The thing I greatly feared has come upon me. 15. You grow old when you cease to dream and when you lose interest in life. You grow old if you are irritable, crotchety, petulant, and cantankerous. Fill your mind with the truths of God and radiate the sunshine of His love. This is youth. 16. Look ahead, for at all times you are gazing into infinite life. 17. Your retirement is a new venture. Take up new studies and new interests. You can now do the things you always wanted to do when you were so busy making a living. Give your attention to living life. 18. Become a producer and not a prisoner of society. Don't hide your light under a bushel. 19. The secret of youth is love, joy, inner peace, and laughter. In him, there is fullness of joy. In him, there is no darkness at all. 20. You are needed. Some of the great philosophers, artists, scientists, writers, and others accomplished their greatest work after they were 80 years old. 21. The fruits of old age are love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. 22. You are a son of infinite life, which knows no end. You are a child of eternity. You are wonderful. You are, you are you are you are a child of eternity you are wonderful you are a child of eternity you are wonderful you are wonderful you are wonderful wonderful
Wow, and wow, and wow, and wow, thank you, God. We made it, baby, we got it, we made it. What's amazing, aside from the fact that that was amazing, what a beautiful ending, is the uh, truncated sound of those noises there, and the fact that the music stopped without me stopping it means that whatever happened to the machine earlier just happened again. But it waited until the end of the book to for it to do whatever it is. And that was very nice of it. That right there, if if that was the power of our collective subconscious mind allowing us to complete that, that delightful tome. And uh, you can look forward to this all being stitched together beautifully to create one seamless listening experience at some point in the future. How about that? Uh, shouts out to everyone locked in. That was amazing, says Bad Buddha 93. Surely it was. Um, surely it was. What a blessing. Indeed, indeed. Uh, thank you, God, says Melinda. Quite right, too. Lee Shepard says, outstanding stream. Thank you. Shecky says, wonderful. Uh, thank you to uh, those of you that contributed during that. Um, Cedric Sedge sent a super chat. Uh, said, dude hangs out with all our old friends. <laughs> yes, he does. Because uh, they're all the smart guys, isn't it? And uh, Lee Shepard said, big love and appreciate you. Uh, Chad said, that ending was so uplifting. Wasn't that what a wonderful way to finish that? Um, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting it to go there. Uh, Melinda says, this book is a life changer. Heals. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, getting a physical copy of this and sort of leafing through certain sections of it at opportune moments. And, uh, and of course, listening back to this, this uh, combined... Uh, experience also, uh, you know, Melinda says, bravo, caught the end. Wow, what a lovely end, was it not? Um, you are wonderful, Sazam Cast. Yes, I agree. Uh, thank you, wonderful children of eternity, says Bad Buddha 93. Uh, Chad says, love the library, can't wait for more. And Melinda just sent us 499, which is very nice of Melinda. Shouts out to you, Melinda. God bless. And, uh, you know. This uh, endeavor, which was quite epic, uh, is brought to you by MeaningWave.com. Uh, MeaningWave.com. Uh, because, what, what do we know about happiness? It's a side effect of meaning, uh, as we were discussing earlier. Wasn't it lovely hearing completely off the piste? I'm, I'm supposed to be speaking about MeaningWave.com. But as, uh, as Sajitesh pointed out, dude hangs out with all our friends. So much of previous MeaningWave uh is referenced than appears and make and so much of this is very very easy to understand because we already know so much about all of this you know from our meaning wave adventures um whether it's uh you know marcus uh or epictetus or peterson talking about aims or whether it's jocko talking about i feel fine uh in that song about you know uh going through military training and then basically drowning you and forcing you to yourself no 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 i'm cool i feel fine i feel fine very magical anyway meaningwave.com uh, happiness is a side effects of meaning uh, sponsors this broadcast and uh, you can go there and you can find delightful things like cassettes this happened to be up and uh, that's very nice and there's a limited amount of those remaining and you can get one of those where you can and uh, there's also digital music bundles which uh, you know are very useful and i recommend you can get all of the meaning away stuff individually you can do that at Bandcamp. you can actually do it on here if you search for it where we have we're in the process of you know 
sort of building and expanding this site and what have you. Uh, so it's easier to find individual tracks at Bandcamp, but it's easier, it's actually impossible to, to get bundles anywhere else. And bundles are very useful because they've just got all of the stuff, so perhaps you just want all the Jocko stuff where you can get it. Perhaps you want all of the uh, Christmas songs in preparation for next Christmas. Well, you can get it. Perhaps you want everything where you can get it, and you can get it as an MP3 or FLAC. doesn't cost any extra for that. And uh, then you can download it, and you can add it to your, uh, you know, devices and listen to it, uh, you know, at your leisure. doesn't matter if the internet goes down. doesn't matter if um, any of those weirdos at Davos do anything creepy because they're trying to, you know, mess with elections or whatever they're up to. Uh, you'll have your music, you know. And you can burn it onto uh, CDs and things like that and distribute it, uh, you know, in, in the uh, event of needing to do such a thing. But personally, I always download the music I like and I have this wonderful library, uh, which is what I use to play songs to you. I'm not playing songs off of streaming services. I'm playing songs from my beautiful uh, curated library. And when I pull songs into my library, I tag them with words you know, like uh, whatever the song makes me feel, stuff of that nature. So all this is a wonderful thing that I've been building for many, many years and it's come in great use and will continue to be useful across my life as I'm able to summon at will entire moods or, or you know, ideas or, or uh, soundscapes of any kind. And uh, everybody can do that. I should probably make a video about how I do it practically because it is a superpower. It is a superpower anyway. So yes, I would, you know, I would definitely recommend downloading digital bundles of your favorite meaning wave. And also you can hit the resources. Someone was asking earlier, uh, what's the best streaming platform to listen to Akira the Don music on which one pays the most? It's honestly negligible difference. Uh, Spotify pays 0.004 cents per stream. And uh, Apple pays I don't know, 30% more than that. So, you know, an individual streaming music won't make a huge amount of difference, and people understand this, and they send me messages every day uh, saying that they understand this, and where can they, uh, they would like to make a donation or something. Well, you can do that in the resources bit. And resources as a support meaning wave thing, which has links to PayPal's and Patreon's and Bitcoin's and what have you. Uh, not to say that, you know, streaming the music is pointless, uh, streaming the music, lots and lots and lots of people streaming the music uh, does indeed, uh, you know, help to support the existence of Meaning Wave. So I would say it's also uh, useful for you to spread the good word of Meaning Wave and let somebody know today the truth, which is Meaning Wave exists. Of course. Of course. Uh, Amcast says, how about YouTube? How do you mean? How about YouTube? Um... Expand on that. JT the Lionheart says, that's so fascinating. I've been doing a similar thing in my personal life and seeing you make your art and getting a piece of that essence has taught me so much. Hey, that's cool. Well, shout out to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have all these, uh, we have all this stuff and so much of it we lose. And uh, I think it's useful to find ways of, of uh, keeping the stuff useful throughout our life, whether it's the art, whether it's the words, the wisdom, the music, whatever it is, and uh, being able to sort of summon that at will into our into our presence is a magical, magical thing, you know. Sheila says compound interest adds up. Yes, it does. 
Yes, it does. I mean, you could be an individual meaning wave enjoyer, but you could uh, let you know, you know, your family know about meaning wave, and suddenly there's all there's fifty of you enjoying meaning wave, and then they tell their friends, and then there's two hundred, and so it builds, and so it builds. Muy importante. Anyway, uh, yeah. So head over to meaningwave.com and uh, find something nice, you know, uh, or just read some lyrics or something. That's also a useful thing you can do. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with our Friday night party. And that's as far as I've visually uh, scheduled streams. So tomorrow we'll unleash the next batch and then you can see what's coming up. But I can tell you that coming up tomorrow is a party. And um, with any luck, this machine will, will work. I think it just needs a reboot. I think that's all. I think it will be fine. And uh, my subconscious uh, mind will be instructed with it being fine. You could also do that. Instruct the machine to be fine with your subconscious mind. And uh, yeah, so with that, I will now get out of here. It's very late. This was a big stream. A big, uh, delightful, fun stream. <laughs> Thank you to all of you uh, that hung out. And I look forward to partying with you. Manana. Um, leave a comment on the way out. Kick that like button in the nuts on the way out. Uh, Head on over to meaningwave.com and I will see you manana. I love to you and your family. God bless.